Joshua Michael. Once again, I give you one of the latest tracks off of Suicide Puppet's latest hit record. This track is called Jesus Loves Me, immediately preceded by a quick but beautiful interview with Mr. Andy Belanger about his new Kickstarter project for his upcoming indie comic, Mother Trucker. We've got wrestling, we've got titties, we've got space, we've got space trucks, we've got violence. I really can't keep going on because it'll just make you just freak the fuck out. Here we go, guys. Jesus loves me.
Yeah, and are you, uh, have you been recording the whole time? Are we recording now? I just started recording. Don't worry. All right, cool. Uh, yeah, Mother Trucker. So Mother Trucker is like five years in the making. I became a pro wrestler to make Mother Trucker. And I mean, when I say pro wrestler, I get paid to wrestle, but I'm an indie wrestler in the Montreal scene for IWS, XCW, uh, been on C4 in Ottawa. Um, uh, I, I do some shows in um, Toronto as well. Uh, uh, so basically, I was, I was living in Toronto and never hearing about wrestling. I think the thing was, was Toronto had like an insurance problem. Mm-hmm. in the 2000s so they couldn't there I, I just wasn't seeing shows like i lived downtown and there was never flyers no one i knew went to shows like right. i just didn't know that indie wrestling was a thing because at all getting that license in Toronto. getting that license to wrestle or to have a show it like a combat thing is next to impossible in some places yeah so i think that's what they had mm-hmm. and then in 2012 uh i moved to to montreal and I, I was doing uh, video game stuff for Blood Dragon. I did the, the trailer animation for Blood Dragon, and my buddies who worked on that with me took me out to uh, two live shows, Battle War and IWS. Battle War is kind of like the one you, you were throwing in a metal club. Yeah. And then IWS was getting like these kind of like crazy old school looking theaters, you know, where you see like Phantom of the Opera and shit. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's really cool. And uh, I started going to them and just, like, obsessed. Like, my entire love of wrestling. I was obsessed with wrestling up until I was 18. You know, Attitude Era and before that, the 80s and Hogan, Macho, Undertaker, you know, Bret Hart. Like, I was just obsessed my whole life, as as much as I was with comics. Um, But I I just, once I went into fine art, I just wasn't, like, aware it was going on. So I kind of missed the Cena era. Um. So when I when I went to those live shows, I just got hooked. We'd go get loaded, yell at wrestlers. Yeah, it's the most like going to an indie wrestling show is one of the most fun things you can do. It, it was, is the as a as a fan, it is if you're you like to chirp and you like to get loud, it's the funniest. And then I started meeting the wrestlers, and I started doing like posters for them, and like 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 event posters and, and t-shirts and I've been doing t-shirts. I'm doing all that thing. kind of stuff. And uh, uh, Shane Hawk, who was uh, on Chikara, right. he um, he and I became friends, and uh, he got me to come out to the IWS Dojo, which was like their training facility. And um, at the training facility, I started getting into it, and then I was doing Southern Cross, so I took some time off, came back, and I've been there ever since for five years. And the idea was I wanted to get into wrestling to make this crazy wrestling comic, which eventually became Mother Trucker. And but by by that you mean you wanted to get so ingrained in the culture that what you wrote was true blue, and no one could be like, "Oh, he made this up. He don't know what the hell he's talking about." That's yeah, I don't like writing about stuff that I don't know or haven't experienced. Yeah, you can't. Even though I write the most far out sci-fi crazy stuff, the, the the stuff that happens in the comics, like I've kind of been through. So I wanted to understand, you know, the the language, which is all kind of based on Carney language. It's like a metamorphosis of that, and it keeps changing. Like I was here, I'm, I'm even hearing like kind of like new stuff where, um, you know, there's little little code words for things like, um, you know, what's a good code word that I can think of? Like, uh, like shoot, um, work, kayfabe. Yeah, yeah, shirt, shoot, work, all that stuff. Receipt, stuff. yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, like, uh, you know, giving him the office, like, all kinds of, you know, I'm Gene up, like, just stuff, like, 
right. real, real like code based stuff that's in wrestling that is, is kind of fun. I wanted to know all of it. It's the best. And now I have so many experiences actually being in a match. Like I've done hundreds of matches, so like I know what it feels like being in the ring. You know, um, the, the guy who did Berserk that comic, he's got another one, um, a, a wrestling one that's amazing. I'm forgetting the title. I just got it too. It's called. What's it called again? Anyway, he has a spot where a guy gives a, like a suplex to the other guy, and he does this one great panel of the one like of a foot stomping, and I'm like, yeah, that's that's, that's how it. you know to go. Right, that awesome. foot stomp is how you know to go. So I was like, "This this comic is awesome. Like this guy knows wrestling. Like it's really cool. I want it to feel like that. Like while the wrestling is is going down, like I want you to. I want that experience in the drawings. I can't so, wait. Um, I actually got paid today. I'm going to throw down on the Kickstarter. Which uh, when does the Kickstarter end? Oh man, in like thirty days. Yeah, we got time. That's yeah. why we're going to be running you on every podcast for yeah, until until it's awesome. over, man. Yeah, like we came out of the gate like like a rocket. It was amazing. But what Mother Trucker is is she's like a she's like a, a like space trucking uh, ass stop and wrestle goddess, and she's titties. on a quest to find her long lost kid and become the greatest champion of Truck Off, which is the WrestleMania of the Starways. Awesome. So Truck Off is like the way Truck Off the way. Uh, the universe works is all the truckers are wrestlers. So they're all like gigantic. This they're all on roids, but the roids are in the, the meat. So all the meat is called burger roids. This is wonderful. So they, when they eat burgers, it's like they're doing steroids. So they're all like these jack giant he-men looking guys. And this is this whole project is like my he-man. And, um, anyway, she, she kind of like goes through this like gigantic, uh, uh, accident and you can see the pages in the, in the Kickstarter. Where um, you put it's a like it's like WrestleMania three truck it's truck off three and Big Rig is going against Gigantruck and he gives him like this slam called the the um, stairway to heaven into the highway to hell oh, that's and awesome. it like blows up Neo Houston and um, <laughs> she like she like kind of comes out of it rebuilt by um, it turns out like in the first one it turns out she's rebuilt by the bad guy my Vince McMahon of the universe and Beautiful. he's rebuilding her because the two the two champions that are uh, in this universe, which is uh, Ricky Heat, who is like a cross between The Rock and uh, Ric Flair. And okay. he's a bit of an older champion. And the new champion, Phil Injection, who's like my Shawn Michaels, they're at war. But like the, the Vince McMahon character can't like like get them under wraps. So he creates Mother Trucker, who, who is uh, the wife of Big Rig, my like Hulk Hogan macho man. To like take them out. That's wonderful. And um, yeah, so it's super cool. So the whole first like six issues is like there's a match in every issue. So each issue feels like a standalone, but it's her like trials and tribulations into the into the uh, the truck off. And what truck off is is the, in the universe, uh, if you have let's say you know Walmart shipping contract, and my comic is called Bridgemart. If you have the Bridgemart contracts to truck, you have a belt. So all the contracts are belts. All right. Right. Right, and there's like That's highlighter awesome. fish sticks, and like there's all kinds of like different products that people are shipping, You're and people the fight over the, the contracts. Um, I'll roll up on you on my truck and challenge you for your 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 belt, your contract, and then the back of our trucks transform into rings, and we get it on. And as soon as our truck starts to transform, 
just like fans from the space highways <laughs> just like start flying just in. Start showing like, Holy shit. And it's like the biggest TV show like going is like being on the space highways and like a fight breaks out and just like everyone goes and announcers show up on like a, a thing. Conveniently like, plays the, refs. The, yeah. Yeah. There's refs. Like, yeah. Everything. Just everything shows up almost instantaneously and like people are freaking out. And uh, if I beat you, I get your contract and your truck. And the truck? <laughs> yeah, so you can't come after me after, right? You can't, like, okay. immediately come back after me because you have no truck. And you have to have a truck to be a trucker, right? So you're done. So, you're so just certain, done. certain truckers have, like, fleets, you know what I mean? And they get, like, like Phil Injection has, like, his, his uh, DX. So there's, like, a like a China character and, like, a Triple H character. His name's Tricy. Tricy. <laughs> All right, I get it. It's like it's like cunning Chris Cutter. <laughs> yeah, and he's like my Triple H, and um, and uh, yeah, so it's super crazy. So it's all about her like getting into truck off, and truck off is like the WrestleMania of the Starways, and it's basically a, a race around the rings of Saturn while you fight. So yeah, all for like the biggest contracts. So let's, it's it's pretty wild. Let's so that's it. that's Mother Trucker, and we launched on Monday. And we had a, everything I do is in, it, like, because I'm in Canada, I had to do everything can, in Canadian. You can't like change regions mm-hmm. in Kickstarter. So it was like 9,000, 9,000 Canadian, which I think is like 6,700 American. Okay. And we hit, we hit that in like three hours. I noticed like, that I, I, yeah. I, when I pulled it up in the morning, it was like, you were already up to like, uh, like six or nine grand already. I can't remember. It was, it was like, okay. Andy's got some backing. Um, let's talk about why you pick Kickstarter because guys like us are right now people are fucking pigeonholing us, and you've got a crazy idea that if you put this, if someone took this out of context, they could they'd want to cancel you or bury your idea. But with Kickstarter, it's fuck you. <laughs> I can do like I'm that's doing... just it. Like I've I've actually pitched Kickstarter to uh, or sorry I've actually pitched Mother Trucker to. Uh, uh, I pitched it to Black Label at DC. Mm-hmm. I pitched it to Image three times. Um, I, I had a con- like a I had a, a company in BC that was going to give me something like crazy, like ninety grand to do it for a new digital platform that they were going to do. Wow! And and my lawyer and I pulled out of the deal so that we could keep the rights. Like, yeah, you need that was rights. a hard day. That was a hard two hours of my lawyer being like. No, you can't do it. No, you can't do it. And I'm like, ninety thousand dollars. Like, whoa, what? And she's like, no, you won't own any of it. Especially like, if they make a million dollars off of it, and you're sitting there with ninety thousand, like a like a chump. Yeah, and this is my baby, my big idea. I don't want people to own it. So when I started to make it, I was like, I know Image would 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 publish it mm-hmm. now, like seeing it, but. I don't think I want anyone else to have it because I'm looking at like the way comics are going. It feels like everything's crumbling and they're making comics, you know, they're, they're after the YA market, you know, which I understand. It's totally cool. It's business. Um, you know, they're they're after that smile money, but, um, it's not the comics that I make and it's not the comics I read when I was a kid. Like when I hit 13, I was done with Marvel and DC and I was reading Heavy Metal Magazine. I was reading Monero and Serpieri and all that stuff all through my teens. Chaos. Yeah. Chaos Comics. Polito, who is rocking. He's a god. Polito rocks. Actually, what's really funny is I had some of my best portfolio reviews with Polito when I was coming up and I was like 19, 20. 
He yes. he was the only one I marked out for at Comic Con in Denver. Everyone else was like, "Hey, cool, nice to meet you." It was it was exciting to meet them, but Polito, uh, uh-uh. uh, I was like, I I need you to. How sign dope this. was Evil Ernie and like Lady Death? Just the dopest. I was so into that like when it was coming out. Like I bought all that stuff, and um, uh, Tony Moore at the time he had that book, uh, Battle Pope. Battle. I remember I Battle Pope. It was before Walking Dead. He did Battle Pope, and that mm-hmm. book was freaking awesome and i was into that all that stuff you know chaos comics was super super dope um yeah so that's what i'm getting back to i'm getting back to those comics and carrie nord and i are starting a company called lethal comics and the the tagline is it's a new wave of old school and um we're gonna make the comics we want to make without having to you know appease a uh, publisher or say and I'm just sorry, sick of or, trying to like yeah. I'm trying to I'm sick of trying to make something for a publisher that they think is attractive enough to sell I think it's destroying creativity because um, there's so much cool stuff that could be made and Kickstarter is really where it's at when it comes to like unabridged creativity no holding back um, you know what it reminds me of? It, it reminds me of the freedom of hanging out with your best pals in a tattoo shop. Um, like, it's just dope conversations, the right people, everyone's in the right frame of mind, respectful. You're listening to whether it, you're listening to hardcore music, whether it's hardcore rap, hardcore metal. Um, you're, these guys are making good money on pure, unadulterated, whatever the fuck I want to do art. And yep. it's, it's the best thing in the world to me, man. And I'm glad that you're doing this. And, uh, I, that, that's what this is. This is like, I'm going to do what the fuck I want art. And I mean, I've wanted to do this for four or five years. Like I became a wrestler to make this. And then COVID actually, what happened was like, uh, I don't, I haven't gotten a good, a real meaty comic gig in two years. Like I got a really great one with James Tinian recently mm-hmm. in his horror anthology, which was like, uh, you know, eight, 10 pages, but I haven't gotten like a series or like one shot or anything. And I feel like my, my art was at its peak. Like I was peaking as far as like that's scary. my art. And I was like, how am I not getting gigs? It's crazy. I was, I was sending samples every single month to Marvel and DC. I know all the editors and just, you know, ghosting crickets. Um, and my, you know, uh, I was scheduled to do Warren Ellis's next book at image. And he kind of like hummed and hawed during the time when I needed to get a gig Right. and the musical chair thing happened and he quit right before Christmas. I thought he got canceled and, right before Christmas. And my Christmas. family and I were broke. Ouch. And I was like, dude, like I've been waiting for you to write this thing. Like we're scheduled to do it. And it didn't happen. So, you know, I was totally broke without a gig. No one's hiring in December. Right. Right. So what happened was I, I got this mega high profile gig in video games, uh, animated. And it paid for, it was three months of like the hardest work I've ever done. It was like, um, but it paid my yearly salary in like three months almost. That's awesome. Yeah. So it was like, it was 18 hours, 20 hours a day for, for three months straight, every single day. My wife came in and she was painting. Cause she worked in video games. My mom had to come in and look after our kid. Um, but when it was over, I was burnt out, but we had money for the year. And then I sold Southern cross to NBC universal, uh, to make an anime. And we got paid from that. So it was like, my wife is, you know, I'm, and I'm sending out sample, 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 just giving her. And my wife is like, and I'm really disappointed, getting really depressed. I can't wrestle, mm-hmm. right? Wrestling, like everything, everything we weren't allowed to leave our houses. Wrestling's gone. We live for that and, shit. 
What? They said, we live for that shit, man. That was the yeah. worst part yeah, of so it. Yeah, so it was like, I was getting really depressed. And yeah. um, and then my wife is just like, you know, it, it's now. Like, we have the money. You have to make Mother Trucker now. now. <laughs> so she started, like, pushing me, and I started drawing it. And um, I had written it when we lived in Italy in 2019. I wrote the script, and I, I went over it again uh, with my friends here. And it was just, it was... It was time, and I started drawing my ass off on it and sending stuff around uh, to my pals to get, like, you know, notes on scripts and, and art, and um, it, it was just, like, all coming, like, the universe was just, like, you're supposed to do this, and then wrestling started in June, and I went to my first uh, wrestling class again, and right at that class, Speedball came up, and he's like, you want to do privates? And I was like, hell yeah, I want to do privates. Like, Private with Mike Bailey every single week for like hours. Like, oh my god! One on one so my training. wrestling game has gone like, <sighs> like Exploded. when Animal comes back, Animal can wrestle. I mean, I'm I'm training with like uh, Channing Decker and Danhausen and like Keep going. it's, dude, it's nuts. Uh, like I don't know if you know a lot of the other indie guys up here, um, but yeah, a lot a lot of the dudes were were just in class together on Wednesdays private class and we're jamming and like you're gonna have he's to teaching me he's teaching me japanese wrestling so it's no longer about five moves of doom it's, no, it's about strong style you know, <laughs> yeah strong strong style but mixed with like hard sequences right so you know you my shine are you talking my about shine, my comeback and fire my finish you know each one of those things i understand the philosophy and science behind it and like i have a, a, a sequence and he, we've done it maybe you know once to three times every week since gym i do the same thing and it's just getting like so nice and perfect and smooth and dope looking and now when i come into a match i'm just like okay shine this is what i do bop, 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 bop. that's awesome man uh, i'm glad that you know like if i'm gonna do my if i'm gonna do my comeback and fire right you choke me to the ropes ref break i grab your arm bite kick throw me to the ropes you go for a whip i weave angle slam separation up we go for line we both lock arms i get your hand strike judo throw up i never let go of your hand it's like the hulk holding loki i give you a monkey flip up i do the escalera up the top rope down with the yeah and Dude, then you're making me up. happy man line, you're making you me happy AT. boom i go for my finisher oh you get over on me and we're into our first fall scene like that's you know it's like i have all these sequences like i think there's maybe six seven sequences memorize cold so when i come into a match it's just that you can help it out you can you yeah, can shine, before, and you can like, shine uh, maybe up. i'll do this until we do this right so yeah. and what's funny is my the titles of mother trucker are all based on the the wrestling match so the first comic is called the shine the second one is the cutoff the third one is the heat you know the one after that is the is the comeback and the fault they're all named after like the mechanics of a wrestling match yeah, I, I dig that because the the last time I read a, a comic book that was that knew kind of what they were talking about wrestling was Ringside, and that one came out so uh, it was decent. I I wasn't a big fan of the art. The writing was phenomenal, but like it it, it came out so sporadically, and like I I'd, I'd have to like every time I'd read it, I'd get a new one. I had to go back four issues to remember what the hell was going on. And uh, it sounds like you've got like you've got everything in the can from Mother Trucker and ready to rock and roll. Um, yeah, six 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 issues are written of it. I have the outline and some of the issues written for the six to twelve, 
Mm-hmm. And what's funny is I wrote six to 12 first because it was about the whole comic was meant to be about Big Rick and his daughter. And then, and that, that was the whole comic. And then I came in Italy. I think I was looking at so much like Italian comics, you know, <laughs> like a lot of Monera and Druna and Cerviere and Those all that stuff. I was like, I want to make it about, I want to, and, and I became really obsessed with like Charlotte Flair, right? Like Charlotte, Charlotte's match in like WrestleMania was my favorite match by far. Yeah. Freaking Charlotte yeah. is the best. Like, God, I love Charlotte. She's freaking rad. The, the women's wrestling has really stepped their game up. I'm really digging what they're doing in AEW. Um, they're, yeah. they're bringing in shit. My favorite indie wrestler here was Abaddon. And then now she's, now she's elite, man. Like, and, and she's scary as shit, man. Like she's like, you remember how the undertaker used to scare us. Now this one is like legit terrifying. And, it, it, it everything's making me happy dude but let's let's talk more about mother trucker before we wrap up man um yeah, man. where what are you hoping that you obviously you want to you want to get mother trucker over and you this is your own baby you don't have to worry about anyone telling you what to do and you're going to do it your way but are you hoping that you're going to inspire other people and get like a more of a kickstarter trend going on for people to start doing their own comics or is this something that you you eventually are going to be like hey i wasn't trying to be a a uh, an icon or anything like that. I was I just did what I got to do. Like, what do you want to do for the comic industry after everything you've told me that it's it's not really going down, but there's some struggles. Yeah, I, I want people to do what they want to do. Right, like stop stop squashing our voices. You know, stop stop making us try to make something that we think people will buy. Mm-hmm. You know. I, my goal whenever I make a comic book is to try and make something that I would buy. And uh, I think Southern Cross was the first thing that I made that I thought I would buy myself. I've got every issue, and, brother. But, you know, you're always trying to, like, like, make someone happy, you know, and in a way that's unhealthy. Yeah, because you know you, what I mean? You forget instead of, you forget instead about of a way of being you. Right. You know what I mean? You, and uh, I wasn't getting – I think my entire 17-year career, I really wasn't getting to be myself. Um, that was a scary thing before the Kickstarter launch. I was like, oh, no, people are going to see how crazy I am. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to get canceled, dude. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah. mankind just started making comics. <laughs> so uh, this comic runs until the 30th? Oh, no, 30 yeah, days. Yeah, the campaign runs until the 30th. And then we wait like uh, – I think it's like anywhere from – 10 to 20 days for the, the money to kind of come in. 30th and of once November, the, right? Once the, yeah, there's like time for like Visa and all that stuff. And then uh, I send it to the printer. And um, as soon as it comes back from the printer, we're working with a company called Chit Chat in Montreal. So they do all like I, I box everything up here. I've got a giant studio. Like, like this is it. like check out. This is the studio. Oh, it used dream. to be. Uh, a nightclub that was run by the Hells Angels. Oh, you can't see it, but there's like a bar back there and uh, some super gothic wow. bathrooms that are really sweet. Um, but yeah, we, we got this place uh, for like a steal and it's um, myself and Carl Kershaw. Uh, Terry Nord's coming back. Sweeney Boo's here. Um, Wes Craig was here for a bit who does Deadly Class. And um, uh, in the other side is a video game studio called Cut to Bits. And they, uh, they're like a upstart video game company. It was all my pals from Ubisoft that 
basically my connections at Ubisoft all quit and started their own video game company and invited me to share the studio. And it's, uh, it's like my man cave. Oh, that's, that's wonderful, man. That's wonderful. So how do we find the Kickstarter? Just what do we, what do we look for in kickstarter.com? Well, if you look at, yeah, if you go on kickstarter.com, all you need to do is go to mother trucker. We're like, we're on the front page for the, for a bit. We're in taking off. We're in fresh favorites. We're like, we're all over it right now because it, it blew up so fast, so quick. And there's a so, lot. Of, um, there's a lot of incentives for. There's, you can just buy the single issues. You can buy trade paperback. Um, or, or well, no, we don't have a trade yet, but what you can buy is you can buy the single issue. You can buy uh, alternate covers by Carl Kershaw, who did the sick like Capcom style uh, cover. Uh, Carrie Nord gave me one with some boobs out. Um, that's really funny. Of uh, Mother Trucker giving everyone the finger with her top off. Um, there's a, a like a complete cover set. There's original artwork I do. There's uh, not safe for work artwork that I do in packs. There's like mystery boxes. Um, there's one where you can be in the comic. There's one where I do you a painting. Um, and then there's one that is like ten thousand dollars where I will show up to your house with everything we offer, shoot promos, and have a match with you. <laughs> For ten grand. No one's getting that. No one's getting it. It's ten grand. No one's getting it. But the reason we did it is we're going to shoot a bunch of promos this week and throughout the, the thing where it's like we're just going to keep making fun of that. Like, Dude, you, you, that I'm going I'm to show up. you gotta, you got to find like some dopey looking guy that's a friend of yours and you just show up at his house and just, you wanted it, we're here. <laughs> yeah, like pretend someone spent 10000 bucks. Yeah. yeah, just come over and like, and like power bomb him in his kitchen table. Like. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Man, Andy, yeah, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming back on the show to talk about the comic. We're going to run this every episode until the Kickstarter is over at the end of November. Cool, um, brother. That's we, awesome. We appreciate everything you do. And if you uh, see Warren Ellis again, tell him why the hell he hasn't even finished fucking Fell. Because, <laughs> well, like, he didn't even get started on my thing that I was supposed to do for him, so I don't know what, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, every time uh, I bump into, every time I bump into uh, Ben uh, at Comic comic cons i'm like when is 10 coming out oh it's coming out it don't worry and i'm like you're just fucking with me man <laughs> yeah man well hey man it's been a pleasure and thanks again i'm gonna release this tomorrow and uh cool, don't man. worry i'm gonna cut out everything from the beginning and uh because <laughs> uh, we were what we were talking about wasn't recorded but I, I started it like right when i was like thanks i was feeling crappy we were we were shooting and I was, was bringing you up. It was a straight shoot, and no yeah, one's going to hear it. It. It, was, it was like I was putting some wind beneath your wings. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you were, man. I appreciate you, man. <laughs> Much love, brother. Thanks, man. Thank you, dude. Peace. Guys, welcome to Minefields. It's me, Joshua Michael, your friendly neighborhood Joshua Michael. My best friend, Colin, and I usually record the comic book issues with. He's actually uh, in parts unknown right now. Filming a movie that I cannot disclose yet because I don't quite know. Uh, he might have told me, but if anyone finds out, uh, he'll get in trouble. Um, but we've got Mr. Tony Morales on the show. Uh, we hit it off big time on the when we recorded his uh, wrestling episode, talking about his surgery, and then we talked about comics, and then we did the boys last week, and great response from that, guys. We really appreciate it. Tony, how you doing, man? Doing good, man. Freaking parts unknown. Isn't it like seven miles off the coast of Tasmania or something like that? <laughs> I, 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 man, if he is, I'm going to be pissed because I hear those uh, Tasmania babes are really hot. Oh, yeah, dude. Freaking gorgeous. <laughs> How you doing, man? How's rehab going? Doing good, man. Freaking about you know, four or five days in and it's you know going well, doing a lot of cardio and whatnot. 
those those weights are killing me, man. They're freaking. They got me doing like five pound weights, and I'm just like, you gotta be kidding me. And I'm like the youngest guy there by like 30 years, except for like one guy that's like 42 and had like a heart attack, I believe. Oh damn. Yeah, it is crazy. I mean, everyone's cool. It's, you know, getting something, getting stuff out of it, getting you know, getting back to it, and just got cleared by my doctors to freaking go back to work, which is phenomenal because I'm losing my mind. How long you been uh, in traction, man? Just at home. Uh, I was in the hospital for five days and then been home about six weeks. So I mean, I, I like you know, getting time to do stuff, which is really cool, and you know, hanging out with family is always phenomenal. But man, I'm it's killing me not to go to like work and whatnot. And I could I couldn't drive for the entirety of the six weeks. Oh damn! So getting behind a wheel was phenomenal. Did you have trouble getting used to it? No, actually, just freaking just jumped right back in there, man. Freaking wasn't. That wasn't an issue at all. You know, biggest thing right now is just kind of finding out what I can and can't do weight-wise uh, going to the gym because my chest is, you know, it's good, but they, they broke my sternum to get in there. Oh, Jesus. So, you know, it's it feels good, but, you know, still a little bit gun-shy, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're on the road to recovery, man, especially going to physical therapy because uh... – and that that's what we meant by rehab by the way guys physical therapy yeah. um <laughs> nothing otherwise those physical therapists those guys are fucking sadists man they they uh i remember going through it when i had knee surgery and i was eight, seventeen, and they're just oh, wow. they're electrocuting me I, I i found out what the word atrophy meant um mm-hmm. putting the you were, have you they, have you done the ice bath thing yet where they like they've got a bunch no of, no they haven't they haven't had anything like that because it's it's cardiac rehab so it's like a half hour of cardio and then about 20 minutes of light weights. Like freaking, you know, while you know, you're doing you're doing weights while you're sitting in a chair and like I said everyone's substantially older than myself except for like one guy. So like you're, you you the, the the program's set up for kind of older people. So it's just kind of like more it's more of a mental game as far as the cardiac you know, cardiac goes just freaking trying not to like I want to exer- I want to put forth that effort and I want to get you know 20 30 pound weights just got to make sure it's you know I'm physically able to do that well what's the mental space like on that man like uh, especially after coming from like you know hardcore wrestling training and that sort of thing like how you do you have any advice for anyone that um, is going through anything like that where they hit a like you know you didn't hit a, a brick wall on purpose or for any other reasons other than just something that you were born with. But what about, like, any, do you care to go into, like, the mental places that you that you went through? I mean, because now we're quite a, lo- a long way from when you f- found out that you were going to have to go through the surgery, talking about may or maybe not returning to the squared circle, and then now you're actually getting faced with whether or not you can lift X amount of weights and then just get into a car. I mean, do you have any advice for getting out of those dark places or any dark places that you know kind of threatened you um you know there's definitely there's definitely like the you know a dark place there's definitely a lot of like you know when you know the you know when you you get when you're getting ready to go under the knife you know there's that whole you know because they always they're always going to tell you if you can you know there's a risk of death and whatnot and it's you know you know staring your mortality in the face is tough you know it's just kind of you got to figure out if you, cause like my case, it was, we do this in a year or you got a, you got a year to before this becomes 
to, comes to the point where we have to do this versus going through the surgery now, you know, being as young as I am, I'm 39 now. Um, you know, they made a point, you know, the next time you, I have to have this done, I'll probably be in my 70s or 80s. So it's not, you know, I can do it now or freaking make it to the point where it has to be done in a year and then freaking, you know, my chances of survival will go down dramatically. So it's just kind of, you know, kind of it's just a, a situation you had to deal with, which is kind of the biggest thing. That's some true blue man shit, man. And, and not trying to make a pun. I'm talking about having to make that decision. I mean, like, I don't have kids. I don't have a, a wife or family or anything like that. So I, you know, I probably would have, you know, looked at it as the same way that, you know, I did when I was crazy and, you know, doing some stupid shit when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I'd like to think that that's how I'd like to think of it. But then again, you had a lot to lose and a lot to go through. And uh, I really appreciate you sharing that with us because a lot of guys don't understand that uh, that's the sort of talk you have to have with your boys, uh, with your wife. Uh, I, I I can barely even just, I'm just seeing a scratch on the surface. You just sharing that with me. So thank you. Oh, no problem, man. You know, going into it, you know, freaking, I feel like the biggest thing is just moderation. You know, you got to. You know, you're like I said, in my case, I'm stuck home for six weeks. Can't really work out for the duration of that because I was about three, four weeks in before I was even able to go to um, cardiac rehab for the first time. You know, you got to, you know, be careful what you eat, freaking, you know, watch, you know, if once you're once you're in there lifting weights, you know, you want to push yourself, but you want to do it moderately so you're not, you know, you can push yourself, but you don't want to hurt yourself. And I think like the whole moderation thing is probably the biggest thing. Well, today you had the chance to watch V for Vendetta, and it's funny because uh, we're recording today. This is coming out tomorrow on the the sixth, but today is uh, the remember, remember the fifth of November, and uh, you got to watch V for Vendetta for the first time today. Yeah, freaking! You hit me up with that text about it, and I was like, ah, oh, you know, do or die time. Gotta gotta get it done if we're gonna put it on, and you know, it doesn't really work if we're doing it, you know, December thirteenth. <laughs> right. Uh, the reason I brought it up, I think uh, now you know why, loud and clear, because I feel like, you know, I don't think it's a conspiracy. I, I obviously believe COVID is real. Uh, I've had friends that have lost, I've been fortunate I have not lost anyone to COVID. I have friends that have, uh, co-workers. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, though, about like three, four weeks into it, I kind of felt like they were following uh, B for Vendetta blueprint on this one, man. Like, uh, you know, we start out with, uh, obviously, spoilers, but spoilers for a movie from 2006 yeah but, you know we get to we get like you know three quarters of the end and v disguised as uh william rockway discloses to the head of the nose that yeah this is this was imagine a virus that was engineered uh which is uh what we what i've read heavily leans to yes this was engineered that it probably wasn't on purpose smuggled out of some place in uh china but it did get out, and they the government used it to poison. Uh, was it the three waters, the the water treatment plant, the school, and was it a hospital? What was the third one? I believe it. I thought it was a hospital. I believe, yeah. And uh, you know, then of course, you know, the economy drops. We get a regardless, and, and we're not going to get too political here, guys. But just regardless of what you feel or believe or who your favorite guy is a favorite pony is in the race right now that hasn't ended 
uh, there's someone in power that really, really likes it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he's already said he didn't want to, doesn't want to give it up, even if he loses. And that really terrified me because that's that's what. When I heard that, I was like, "Yeah, we got to talk about this." And what were your initial takes from uh, watching *V for Vendetta*? Dude, I mean, just you know, I have never read the book. I need, I, I this makes me want to read the book. You know, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, I, you know, I felt like there was a lot of stuff that could, you know, that really reflects the way the world is right now. So I mean, it was definitely, it was definitely interesting. I'm always kind of, I'm not a big conspiracy believer Me but too. i love to hear a good conspiracy story a story right so it was you know it, it's stuff that makes you think and that's you know that's kind of the best kind of movies in my opinion or stuff you walk out of it you're just like well, what about this what about this how'd that go where was that so i really i got i enjoyed it a lot you know freaking i thought you know a lot of it was i thought it was overall just a solid movie but then like you know it had a lot of deep stuff to think about afterwards. The the thing that gets me is I don't like at first I was like man they're just following the blueprint here but if they were following the blueprint then they would have realized what happens when you push people too far. For, yeah. For example, one of the things that really bothered me uh, about the um, oh, man what happened to George Floyd was mm -hmm. what would you have done had you seen a man literally. He's suffering. He's begging for his life, and there's some asshole with his fucking knee on the back of his back of his neck. And okay, do I do I go and stop this guy? But if I stop this guy, I'm gonna go to jail for assaulting a cop, and I'm probably gonna get beat half, you know, four ways from Friday from the rest of his buddies there watching like a bunch of dickless assholes. Yeah. And but V for Vendetta had that scene with the little girl wearing the mask and the and you know she's spray painting and. The cop, cop shoots, shoots her in the her. back, yeah. Cop shoots her in the back, and the, the people had had enough. And they didn't they didn't show what happened to the guy, but he... he it was definitely highly implicated what <laughs> happened to him, though. <laughs> highly highly implicated he was beaten to death, especially after from the beginning when we see curfews. <laughs> you break, yeah. You break curfew, uh, you're, you're in trouble. And mm -hmm. you see people living in the type of situations where... You, you see Evie's apartment... But that wasn't really a, an apartment. It was a room. It was a room yeah. with, a, with a sink and a shower and a bed. Just like uh, I'm reminded of um, Neo's apartment. I'm sorry, Thomas Anderson's apartment in The Matrix. It was a bed. Oh, yeah. Jeez, that's going back. Yeah, it was a bed, a bunch of computers, and a shower and a toilet. And that's what a lot of people are faced with. You get a room because it's like we're in Colorado Springs, man. The fucking rent here is like $1,500 for a home, 1200 if you're lucky to get a two-bedroom apartment. Yeah. Um, let's see. We're talking about curfews. We're talking about the rise of the people. We're talking about one character that was used and tortured. I mean, like, there's the, there's the superhuman, the, the superhero aspect to it where he's the man of the people. Yeah. But also a villain himself. Uh, any other parallels that stuck out to you that uh, kind of resounded with you or stuck with you? You know, I think the biggest thing was freaking, you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, the way, you know, he, he used a lot of interesting language. But I think the overall thing was kind of, it was a lot, a lot of hope. You know, and I think that's one of the big things that we kind of, we miss in all this is that, you know, we just got, you know, we got to hope for a brighter tomorrow. And, you know, it's, it's, but at the same time, it's more than just hoping for it. Like, you've got to put forth some effort to make, you know, make it happen. 
you know, I'm, I'm always, I'm, I was reminded watching the movie of it's like a Facebook meme, but it's got the rock on it. And it's um, talking about, you know, while you're busy working for somebody else, don't forget to go home and work on yourself or go home and work on your own stuff. You know, and I think that's vitally important for people's sanity right now. You know, um, when you approached me about this, I was I thought it was you know, I was honored. But on the same time, it was like, oh, thank God, it's something for me to do. <laughs> you know, I, I feel freaking you. it's something I enjoy doing and freaking it's it's fun. You know, I get to talk with my buddy about subjects we both enjoy. But, you know, I think that I think one of those that thing that's a huge thing to be like, you know, in, in life, you know, we've all got jobs. We all got to pay bills. Doesn't matter who we are and what lot we are in life. But at the same time, you know, we got to work on stuff that we, you know, that's important to us. Agreed. And that Agreed. was obviously, I mean, V was talking that, that, you know, that one night was 20 years worth of work. 100%. You know, that, that's a man with a plan. That's a man that freaking went out and, you know, did his, put his plan into action. And that's a man who seemed pretty much like he was doing it by himself for a long time. For 20 years. Mm -hmm. And we've only been, what, eight months into quarantine and, or, you know, whatever little bit of a lockdown. And I appreciate you thinking about it that way, especially because, you know, this is just us, this is a passion project, you know, hopefully, you know, this takes off and we can do a lot more with it and mm -hmm. not having our, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be making comics. You're a pro wrestler. We'd love, but this is, this is something little V V was that 20 years, just like you said, building up to he, he when he blew up the old Bailey and if a lot of people don't know this, but blowing up the old Bailey is like blowing up. Uh, wow. Uh, I'm stupid right now, but wherever the, you know, the Supreme court meets, think of it, the, the oh. equivalent of that. That's what he blew mm -hmm. up. And then comes out on TV and gives everyone that speech. Like if you, you know, I know why you did it. You were scared. Um, but if you really have anyone to blame, only look into the mirror because you let this happen. You let these assholes take control. But, mm -hmm. you, but you were scared. But if you feel like I feel and if, and if you've seen what I've seen, then join me in a year. But they, they didn't have a podcast, something little. They had something that caused civil unrest, but in a way that wasn't something where people wanted to burn everything down and, and destroy things. They just wanted their freedom and their liberty back. And bit by bit, they broke things down where they, they, they showed the... You know, the, the story about the woman with the roses. Like, you know, mm -hmm. for a couple of years she had roses and she made no apologies and made no explanations. Uh, uh, the the guy that did the, I'm facing his name, he was, um interesting thing about the guy, that, uh, Stephen Fry, that played the character that had the talk show. He actually... Oh, uh, yeah, I've got his name written down here because I can never remember names. Is it Louis Prothero? No, Louis Prothero was the guy that died. He, he died super early. Oh, yeah. It was, yeah. Uh, freaking! I had it written down here. Let's see, I got like three pages of notes I'm looking through. He's famous because he used to have a. TV it was Gordon Dethrich. Yes, Dethrich. Yes, Gordon. He's famous because back in the '60s and '70s, uh, actually '70s and '80s, he had a TV show with Hugh Laurie. Um, he's known for being a very, very famous comedian as well as Hugh Laurie, and they did the thing where uh, Hugh Laurie could not be do serious roles in the UK because everyone know, knew him from Fry and, and Lord. So he came over okay. and did house and then, you know, did all his serious roles. And then the opposite thing happened where, um, Rowan Atkinson, who did Mr. Bean, like everyone, he was Shakespearean trained. Like Mr. Bean was like, wow, why are you doing this? Like, but it was, it, it was really good. So there's that aspect. We've got him, 
representing uh, the LGBTQ community as well as mm-hmm. the, the woman with the roses, and then we've got the the normal the normal people that are watching on TV at the pub. We have the the family with a girl. The family. Oh man, that was the one that re- the, when they shot that girl. Oh my god, I would have been right with them. Like the second, you imagine seeing that. It's crazy, man. Freaking, I mean, I don't know. That's the thing. You know, it's one thing to be like, you know, if I was there, I would have done this, you know. But it's another, It's a totally another thing to be like in that moment. Like, yeah. it's one, it's when, and it's another thing to be like, if you're one person in that moment, you know, if, if there's like 10 of you, you know, it's easy to follow along with the crowd if one per, if one guy's feeling froggy and jumps, you know, if you're, if like you saw that girl get shot and you're by yourself. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a totally different situation. Right, because right, you know, now, and I'm not even saying you no. Know, he deserves it or he doesn't deserve it one way or the other. You know, personally, of course, I think he did. Of course, but like with that, you know, being in that situation, you know, it's almost like you know, I don't, I don't want to die. I don't want to die, and it's it's uh, Mike Tyson said it best. You know, you uh, you, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Yeah, uh, most people don't know how to fight. Period. Yeah, you'd like to think you know how to fight, uh, but. You know, you think you're crazy is gonna make up or something, but someone—if you get in a fight with someone that knows jujitsu, you're going to sleep. <laughs> yeah, you're you're going. Yeah, to you're sleep. not wrong. Yeah, you're going to sleep, and you don't even know it. Could be a little guy, could be a big guy. Um, one of the things I wanted to mention, without ruining the book, I'm not sure that you would like the book. It's actually my least favorite Ellen Moore book. Um, okay. Uh, one of the things that they don't mention, I wish they had like more deleted scenes, was that each like so when you're in the room with uh, the chancellor. And uh, in the book, it's broken down into body parts. He's the brain, and he's the only brain. Like, there's, mm-hmm. he doesn't have, like, undersecretaries. He's got his, uh, the, there's the, the detective. He was head of the nose. Okay, the Makes spin, sense. The spin doctor was the head of the mouth. The, the guy that, like, dis- disarmed the bomb and was like, you know, we need cameras. That guy. Uh, mm-hmm. He's the head of the mouth. Uh, there was um, what was the name of the the guy that was um, V gave him the the chalk, and you know bring me the chancellor. Um, he, he was the head of the hand. That's why all of all of his his cronies were called fingermen. Ah, I see. Okay. Yeah. So it was broken down like that, and there's that little bit of aspect. Evie, I think I think oh, wow, it's been maybe about 15, 16 years since I read V for Vendetta. I think she was a prostitute. And it started actually with him blowing up Parliament and then moving forward in the. Well, that's been. I don't. I don't know if you'd like it very much. It's not the best. It's not the best of Ellen Moore's book, but it's still superior compared to most things coming out right now. Not that everything coming out right now is bad. I'm just saying that it's just literature, in my my opinion. Yeah, I don't know. I'm probably, I'm probably check it out for. I'm, if nothing else, I'm curious just because you know when we talked about the boys last week, I freaking. I'm I'm still pretty adamant that the TV show is, in my personal opinion, is superior to the comic. Absolutely superior. But like, it'd be interesting to see what I felt because, I, like I said, I freaking I got done with that movie and I was like, man, that was a solid. That V for Vendetta is solid. It's great. Freaking it's that crispy. Definitely, clean. Top, I'd say top ten, easy. Oh, agree, agreed. Oh, agreed. It's that crispy, clean UK. UK, like every shot is perfect. Everything is clean. I, I don't know what lenses they're using, but it's like sometimes I can just look at a a movie and be like, "That's a British movie," just from the way the it's lit and the the type of yeah. The, I don't know. Maybe I'm out of my mind, but I I really dug it. I really loved the fact they got Hugo Weaving in it. The fact. Can you imagine a performance? 
being an actor and your face is completely obscured and you have to rely on the inflections in your voice. Every little thing he did, like when he's cooking the eggy in the basket and she's like, your hands, oh, yeah, hmm. No Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Yeah, like, yeah, the the little the little things were the music. I mean, they had cat power in that. They mm-hmm. uh, the, the um, if you just saw it once, but they showed in his vision of the future, they showed Evie with the married to the head of the nose. He was like uh, taking the TV off. Like later on, like what is going to happen? I remember losing my breath when everyone took the mask off at the end when they're meeting at Parliament, and you see all yeah. the people. All the people that have died vindicated, like their souls were there to watch it, so they could finally rest. No, that was definitely powerful, man. <laughs> Shoot, but yeah, no, I like oh, freaking I had a train of thought and I lost it. Dang it! No, uh, <laughs> while you're thinking that, I just remembered one of the reasons. So when V shows up at one of the battles, he says, "Penny for the guy." That is uh, actually a UK thing. Uh, so around uh, on the fifth. Uh, kids used to go around and ask adults for a penny uh, or any bit of money they give them so they can make an effigy of, of Guy Fox to destroy. Oh. Yeah. That's what that's what, that's what he meant by that. And it, it's a legit thing in, in the UK, man. I, I, I kind of think it's one of the coolest things that, that uh, I don't want to call them a terrorist group. I assume that they'd probably eventually turn into a terrorist group when someone goes wrong. But Anonymous, um, they... Um, they use the Guy Fox mask and everything. And it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah, uh, well, yeah no, I, I remember what I was going to say now. It was freaking... Um, Go for at, it. Especially at the, at the first, in the first time Evie and V meets. Freaking, you know, just the way he's using his hands. He was almost... Vaudeville. It reminded me of like an actor up on the stage. Yep. Using the alliteration, the, the vivacious... Uh, like, he just using the V for everything, man. That was, I was like, I was trying to follow that, and I was like, man, like, I'm I'm, in, I'm interested in it. I'm a big fan of, you know, alliteration, but, I mean, they freaking, they took that far, so I was uh, all about it. Moving on, though, before before we, do uh, you have anything else on V? On v? Oh, no, nah, man, just like I said, overall, yeah, I went in there with the intention of freaking, I, I took like three pages of notes on it, but I went in there with the intention of kind of trying to study it and just freaking got, I got caught up in the story. It's It's amazing. How do you feel taking all those notes? I'm curious because I take notes like that. Like, I mean, you saw my you saw my notes when I sent you for the boys, and I sent you like what, like ten pages unspaced. Yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, it was it was you know it was kind of like the, I took a speech class a few semesters ago in college, and you know one of the things we had to do was um, we had to write about or write and then uh, give a speech on like some for, a former TV show. And I just happened to pick like that episode of The Flash, and I'm you know I'm watching, you know what this episode of The Flash, you know trying to take notes and kind of you know dig a little bit deeper than just the base story of it. So I've had, I got a little bit of experience with it. No, not that I'm writing. You know, I said ten page notes. I did, you know, two hour twelve minute movie and got three pages. It's nice, man. It's it's better than journaling because you're 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 actually translating your own feelings into what you just dissected out of that. Like mm-hmm. how it fell on your palate. Like if you're drinking a fine wine and describing it that way. And that's what, that's what the whole point of this is about is to have those sort of conversations and discourse with a, a medium that I feel is 
Man, this is such a huge stretch, but I feel comic books are is the most pure medium out of all the art forms. And the reason why is because, let's say they had done the original X-Men movie with, remember Wolverine made the joke, like, what, you want us to wear, like, spandex or something like that? Yeah, yellow like, spandex. Yeah, like, if he had been in yellow spandex, people, the world was not ready for a superhero movie where they were wearing yellow spandex. And because of X-Men that, you know, just brought everyone up to this is a true blue medium for the superhero movies i remember when i walked out of the avengers movie the one with uma thurman and um ray fines that was based on oh, the, okay, yeah. the uk one my friend was mm -hmm. like do you think they'd ever do an avengers avengers movie marvel and i was like no there's no fucking way <laughs> there's no way <laughs> no one would buy it and then it, it it broke down the barriers for people to be okay with and the, you know of course the the better costume design and there's a lot of different other aspects to it but when it's actual a comic book book when you've got the the 28 pages in your hand, the second you paid for it or even someone handed it to you and you decided to make the decision to read it, you have made the decision to abandon all notions of anything. Anything yeah. can go in a comic book. I mean, we've seen comics where people made the panels out of, like, uh, um, photos that they manipulated on Photoshop or Alex Ross just actually taking the time to paint every single panel to something really ugly. Like, I remember when I first read the X-Files comic book, I'm like, this doesn't look like Mulder. Fuck this. You know, and I, <laughs> I eventually got into it, and then I went to art school, and I'm like, okay, Charlie Adler was, is a master of light and shade, and then, of course, you know, the extra gravitas, and he's the one that, you know, took over The Walking Dead after the first couple issues when Tony Moore wasn't making his deadlines. And um, it, it really... You're, Completely, absolute suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Anything goes. And I wanted to talk about, uh, since we're talking about conspiracy things right now, is, um, bring it up right now, Department of Truth. This is an image book that, okay, so you saw Men in Black, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. I saw the first two. Remember at the end of part one when he has Jay open up that locker and it's like he opens a door into a bigger dimension? And mm -hmm. it, it it expands out, you know, that the world is a marble and it's a bigger alien playing with it. Imagine that concept with uh, conspiracy theory. And it starts out with Lee Harvey Oswald. Um, you know, he's getting... The artwork is really grainy. This is some beautiful... Um, I don't want to say abstract. I want to say the artwork is more of a... Um, I'm going to send you a picture of it right now so you can see what I'm talking about. It's okay. it's that nitty gritty painting where they it's it's really visceral, and you can tell the forms. I mean they're perfect, but at the same time though, it's not exactly pleasing to the eye for someone that wants something beautiful to look at at all times. So yeah. incoming shot. But the idea of this one, and I really got excited for it. I really hope they do a really good job and, and expand it. Is this FBI agent, he's talking, it flash forwards after they talk to Lee Harvey Oswald, and we all know what happened to him, and he is being interviewed by some questionable men in black type, uh, a woman and a gentleman. He's like, are you going to kill me? And he's and like, no, 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 why do you keep thinking that? And he's like, because you're probably going to kill me. And what did you see? And he's like, well, I was... I work for the NSA, you know, he one of those type places, and I was really looking into these flat earther flat earther people and i followed all their forums 
I started watching where they were going and I went to one of their meetings and they all looked the same. They all had the same name badge on and it was one of those situations where you were around a lot of people that believed in a radical thing and were finally able to express their minds and say the most hateful, stupid shit. Uh, imagine being at a, like a clan rally, but they're talking about the earth being flat. Yeah. And he's on his way to his hotel and he's stopped by a gentleman that recognizes him and, Hey, I want to show you something. And they're like, Hey, you know, he brings them into a room and you know, there's more, it's more of a high class kind clientele of the more uh, upper echelon type KKK flat earther guys. And Mm -hmm. like everyone ready, let's go. And they get in a plane and he's looking out the window and they've, they take him, they fly him up north, and he sees the edge of the earth as if it's flat with globular, like, it's like they crossed into a different dimension. Oh. And then landed, and as soon as they were, la- as soon as they landed, he was immediately met by, the group was immediately met by a bunch of, like, uh, covert op guys that immediately just shot everyone dead except him and took them to have this meeting. And he's describing, listen, I'm not one of them. I, this is part of my work, but, I, but I, I saw what I saw. I saw the earth the slat. And he's like, no, what actually happened was the fact that you encountered a large group of people that believed in something so much that it materialized on the planet in either you want to call it a hallucination or in a way that made it real. And you got to be careful when you're around people like that, especially when there's so many, because what they believe in might actually happen, because there's it's such so much of a focus energy. Especially if you ever studied anyone that like, um, like that's into Wicca or anything. Like you get enough people mm-hmm. believing in something, they can manifest it. I mean, it's an yeah. odd thing, but I'm kind of like you were talking about with the tarot cards before. Precisely, precisely. So he's like, are you going to kill me? He's like, no, we're not going to kill you. And then it goes in the Men in Black thing. Actually, we brought you here to recruit you, and you no longer work for the FBI, and you work for us now. And he's like, I don't even know your name. And he's like, oh, uh, I'm sorry. My name is Lee Harvey Oswald. And then just, boom. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Because, you know, like, if you read a lot about the conspiracy theory, he was the patsy. Was he in on it? Um, <clears throat> that it and then it, the issue two came out last week, and... I'm not going to go any further into that because it's one of those things that I, I basically gave you a quick bit of the origin story, but that's all you really need. And if that's the, the sort of like, you know, the worm dangling on the hook that'll get you, go get it because um, you're not going to find issue one. <laughs> good, good luck. Uh, what do you think about comics that go into that sort of conspiracy theory, man? I mean, you mentioned earlier that you you dig the conspiracy, but it's not you're not a conspiracy theory guy. Yeah, no, I man, I'm all I'm into it, man. Freaking, I mean, that like you know, comic books is like wrestling because it's kind of you know the whole joy of wrestling is that there's something for everybody. If you don't like you know the three ring circus mentality, if you don't like the clowns, you might like the high wire act. If you don't like the high wire act, maybe you like the lion tamer. You know, if you know, in a in a in my personal version of what a good show means. You know, there's a little bit of something for everybody, and it's the same thing in comics, man. You got, you know, you know back in the day, they, you know, we had horror comics and romance comics and superhero comics, you know, and you got independent comics, and you got, you know, Elseworlds comics where anything can happen. You know, it, it's, you know, there should be something for everybody, and I'm, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with using, you know, real life people in different freaking in different stories. 
you know, that are completely and utterly outside of the realm of what they, you know, what they really experience in their real life. Well, taking that sort of mind frame, tell me why you enjoy Detective Comics so much, because you're a big Detective Comics mark, ain't you? Oh, yeah. I'm, I've, I've liked it ever since, you know, when they came back with Rebirth. You know, I really, originally, I liked the concept of the uh, the Bat Team, which, you know, they used completely different people, but it ended up kind of being basically like a precursor to Batman and the Outsiders, which is another one I really enjoy. That's some deep but, um, Nice. Yeah, freaking, I was all about the redemption of Clayface and whatnot, and, you know, him and his relationship with Orphan. I think Orphan's the only member that made the jump from uh, that original Bat Team to the outsiders how but before we get too far into detective comics the latest issue um how, i didn't i didn't read all of the outsiders how did they do with clayface did they did they did they do the thing where man because it, it's such a it's such a wonderful thing that a lot of people assume and land on batman the animated series being the definitive origin of everyone in, in batman mm -hmm. um did they do a good job with clayface Dude, I loved it. I thought uh, I thought it was great because I mean they made like I said the whole the whole thing with him was you know a redemption gimmick that he just wanted he wanted to be good, but you know he had a, he had you know the more you know he was made out of clay and it messed with his head, you know. And the in the whole first angle, which actually works with what we're doing here uh, with Detective Comics ten twenty nine, is one of the first angles they did was the victim syndicate. Which was all like all, it was a group of bad guys, quote unquote, that had all been somehow wronged by a bat villain, and one of the ladies was um, I think she was a makeup artist, beautiful on on Clayface's one of Clayface's movie sets, and they had become friends, and he ended up uh, she she somehow got infected with the same um, same abilities of Clayface, and she just she you know she hated him for it and like the whole thing was like he would go and visit her at the in jail like after she got caught they he like would visit her in jail and just try to try to you know get back that relationship they had and she just wanted nothing to do with him because at the end of the day look what you did to me you bastard and like he had to deal with that guilt that's something heavy to deal with man because you know how many times have you been in someone's life or someone was in your life and one little thing they did just was like, it just set you on a completely different course that you were not, you did not want to go on and there was no coming back. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, I think we've all probably got at least one you know story like that where, you know, you, whether you meant to or not, you took advantage of a friendship and you just, you know, at the end of the day, they walked away from you because of it. Right. You know, I can think of a couple I've had over the years that didn't work out the way I thought they would, and whether intentional or not, freaking, you know, it cost you a good friend. I had a friend in college that uh, she was single, single mom. She had just gotten over a really bad addiction. She had finally had her own apartment. Had her, her she had full custody of her boy, and uh, she uh, messaged me one night because uh, like nine two thousand like three. And she's like, hey, I got the, my, my mom's got the, got my kid, like, let's hang out. And I was like, cool, come to my dorm, we'll get high. And uh, we're getting high, and uh, she was like, man, I really need to get laid. And I was like, well, I have a girlfriend, but I, I, I know, I might know a guy. <laughs> we, we had a, 
we had gone to Clovis, New Mexico a couple months beforehand and brought back a stray cat. This guy that, uh, my buddy that lived in Clovis and, you know, was now going to OU with us. He just decided to bring Brandon with us and he was living in DJ's dorm. And, um, he was like this, he was just, he was slick. He was slick, man. Uh, really gorgeous, light skinned black guy. He was, he had a, a Trojan condom necklace on all the time. He was always talking about safe sex. It was, it was an odd thing. Like, like, imagine if I brought that up in conversation all the time. Like, what the fuck are you... Why is this a, a subject of your... Mo-? Like... Yeah, why is this a thing for you? Yeah, and um, so I was like, let's go find Adam. And, uh, you know, of course he was in DJ's dorm. And I was like, yeah, like, let's hang out. And uh, him and uh, said girl hung out. Um, we, we went to one of my friend's houses. And um, I got really fucking drunk and really high. And I was dancing by myself in the living room. And then... As you do. Yeah, and... Uh, they uh, they were like, hey, let's go back to... We got to take you back to your dorm. And I was okay. And um, they called my girlfriend. And she came and got me. And um, the next day, I called her like, hey, what the hell happened last night? And she's like, dude, fuck that guy. And I was like, what happened? And she was like, well, we started hooking up and he refused to wear a condom. And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> And she's like, yeah, you're f- next thing you know, she's pregnant. Back on oh, drugs, no. back on drugs, uh, lost her kid, all because I introduced her to the wrong fucking guy, and I still feel so guilty about it, man. And when you, when you said that about Clayface going to visit her, man, like, because I, I, I would kill to have been able to have gone back and, like, I, I, obviously, Done something. it wasn't my fault. I mean, she made her own choices, but at the same time, though, I introduced her to uh, a bane of her existence, you know? Yeah. So, how is this going in Detective Comics? Are, are we at the beginning of a story, or are we in the middle, and they're building up building up steam? It, it confuses me with Detective sometimes, because sometimes it seems like all the main story arcs are in Batman, Batman. And yeah. everything is kind of peripheral, and then you'll, they'll have a really good story going on, and then they'll interrupt it to all of a sudden introduce all the shit that's going on in Batman, and then forget about things do they forget it's been a while yeah no this one is like let's say they're starting up a story that actually they actually debuted a new character a new villain oh uh, called called the mirror and, and it, it's a it's a you know, try to explain this here it's a guy and he's in a full he's, he's got a mask on but he's got the way it looks like a military garb but it's all it's all reflective. So like, to me, I was, like I said, I was, I was a military brat. My dad was served like 20 years in the military and it's just, it just looks like kind of BDUs, but he's got a freaking mask on over his face and it's all just, it's all, like I said, glass, but going off with the, it's kind of, this works with V for Vendetta kind of, cause this guy is just talking about how, um, the superheroes, all these other mash guys are ruining Gotham because they're, you know, they're over here, you know, the superheroes, you know, give a reason for the villains to show up and it's all just cyclical. You know, there's always going to be villains. There's always going to be heroes. There's always going to be villains. And, you know, the whole thing is nobody wins. And then he turns right around and he's like, you know, I'm telling, he's telling people this. But at the same time, he's like, I, I know you, I see you guys, you know, you're all like, this guy's talking about mask, but I'm wearing a mask. 
And he's like the entire, you know, basically the entire reason I'm wearing a mask is because I represent you. I represent the, the mirror of society. I represent both the good and the bad. And that, that's, you know, that's what I'm doing. What's his end game? Uh, we don't know as of yet. I think it looks like it's all just to get rid of, because he's just talked about eliminating the superheroes and he's actually got like a big old board that has, you know, Batman's cowl and Nightwing's mask and red hood and, all the everybody associated with Batman currently. It's even like I said, got the Outsiders. It's got Black uh, Black Lightning. It's got Katana on here. Even Katana. Yeah. Nice. So like, I mean, I don't know. You know, obviously, I you know personally, I'd assume they're you know duplicates of their mask, not the actual, not like masks that he just found or found on a black market or anything. Right. But it's definitely you know it's definitely interesting. You know. And it definitely kind of it, it leads into some interesting thought processes because you know here's here's this guy that nobody knows who he is talking about all these other people that they don't know who they are, but it's okay that you don't know who I am because I represent you. So I, I thought that was in you know I thought that was interesting and you know he's got himself a good little group of followers listening to him talk. So it's definitely you know it's definitely the start of something. You know, and then we got Batman over here, or Bruce Wayne, packing up because he's moving out of the, moving to an apartment, leaving Wayne Manor finally. And he's just over here reminiscing because he's, you know, picking picking up pictures and whatnot. And he sees a picture of him graduating either high school and college, and Alfred's right next to him. And he's just like, you know, you know, after all we've been through, I'm still trying to get over, you know, handle this because I think the you know, mixing Batman with Detective, you know, he's with everything that happened with Joker War, and he kind of came to terms with the fact that, you know, while he loved Alfred, he doesn't, you know, he, he needed to move on from Alfred's death. And, like, you can tell there's definitely some cross going on between those two comics. This is the type of writing that I really enjoy the most, and it makes me question the fact because... One of the things I get hung up on sometimes is what is canon? Like, and I really got to let that go because there's some things that you're going to really, really cheat yourself out of if you're like, I only want to read the stuff that's going to matter in 10 years. But at the same time, though, it, 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 you're telling me that Detective Comics is the real meat and potatoes and Batman is the, the shit that they're going to put on the big screen later, which most of the time doesn't ever please me. Uh, I, I, man all the Christopher Nolan movies I hated and every time like was it the was it in Detective lately where or was it in the pages of Batman where him and Killer Croc came to terms oh I I can't recall I remember that whole thing he, he calls him Waylon at the end he of it he calls him Waylon at the end of it thank you what for for using my real name and like boom yeah. like bomb that, that the bomb there like like the whole point of it was that like he he might be Killer Croc, but the guy just wants to live his life. He, yeah, he's a guy with a skin condition. Is you know, and friggin', you know, some some writers will make it more that he's becoming more reptile the older he gets. But I mean, same time, it's still a genetic condition. It's you know, you know, it's it's, it's you know, it's it's like treating somebody like less of a human because they develop Alzheimer's. Right. Yeah. Right. know, and. That that's horrible. Like yeah, freaking, I remember my uh, my grandfather had Alzheimer's, and like I remember when my grandma died, they didn't want to explain the situation to him 
because he wouldn't remember it anyway. And I was, I was like 18 at the time and it made it infuriated me. I was like, how can you not tell this man that his wife of 50 years is gone? And, you know, the day of his, um, the day of the funeral, he ended up you know, having a moment of clarity and like freaking, they told him finally. And like, he was like, Oh my God, I got to get ready. I, I have to be there. And, you know, he got ready and, you know, grace of God, he was, you know, uh, coherent during the entire service. And, you know, it did, you know, it's, it was tough. You know, it, it's, it's, I don't, you know, it's hard to deal with that for anybody, you know, let alone if it's a family member. And it's like, you know, at the end of the day, Killer Croc just wants to be recognized as a person. He's got that teenage ideology where, like, you were at, where you, you weren't spoiled by years of um, getting beaten down by the real world and this is how it is and it is what it is. I hate that phrase. That's one of my hated phrases in the world. It is what it is. That's, that's funny because I use it all the time. It, 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 <laughs> it, it, it drives me nuts because I remember being that teenage uh, kid with the ideology. Why aren't we telling him? We have to. It's wrong that you're not doing it. But you also didn't yeah. know why they weren't doing it. But at the same time, though, you were right. You were all right, but no one had the the. I'm not going to make the assumption there. Well, I think that everyone you know everyone was doing it for the right reasons. It just whether well, I mean, it's you know it's a tough situation. Communication you know, that's, that's a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean it definitely could have been, but like I'm not you know they did that they definitely didn't do it to hurt him. Right. They they definitely you know, they definitely didn't lie to him. They just was bless you. You know, it just was, it was the situation and it sucked, but you know, you just, you know, they did what they felt was right at the time. I dig that, especially with this new, and uh, it sounds like he's going to become an anti-hero because anti-heroes are my favorite. The ones that are dealing with black and black and white and the gray and you know, they've, they're getting pulled in all sorts of different directions, but they're trying to do good. But the things that they're doing aren't necessarily good at all. Like, mm -hmm. like. Uh, you know, like I mentioned earlier, Spawn. Spawn's an anti-hero. Yeah. Know, he wants to do good, but he's from hell. And he's using his powers, and he kills that. Like, there was an issue of Spawn where uh, he there was a big old battle in heaven, and he helped out Angela, and that the angels, instead of killing him, like they're supposed to do with Hell Spawn, they just dropped them on his head in Alabama. And he woke up, and this little boy found him. And he put him on his wagon, and... Spawn's chains helped him lift him because the he was knocked out, but the costume wasn't. And he hit him in his dad's shed and showed him to his brother. And you know they they were helping Spawn get you know crash while he was rejuvenating to get back to New York. And while this is happening, the Spawn saw that the dad was a police police officer and viciously abusing his kids. And oh. he thought what he was doing was right. He mm -hmm. what he did to the dad was was he used his power to tattoo all over his body I beat my kids and he told oh, him wow. I he told the he told the man if you're good for a month these will go away if you start doing it again they'll come back and then he leaves thinking you know he's head back to New York wrong uh kids get home dad's covered in tattoos I beat my kids and the dad has destroyed all their favorite shit and um he was a catalyst for the older brother to have to put a bullet in his dad's head for beating the little brother and a hero. Mm -hmm. And those sort of complex stories are the things that are 
they they get me, man. Like that's where you, where you got to think. You got to put it down. You got to think for a second. You take a breath. Have you ever been in the middle of a book or a comic where you just had to take a break? Yeah, I mean, Constantine's probably the closest one. I feel like I've been in that was like, whoa, that was heavy. Probably I think the end of issue seven. I think we talked about it before with the uh, the mermaid oh, where she God. gets her he, he like, cuts off her tail and sells the meat. That hurt. And, yeah, I was like, just that that last visual of like, and the fact that she still loved him and was carrying his babies at the time. Yeah. Uh, the the uh, the guy it wasn't it wasn't Constantine, but uh and then to turn around and have like next issue freaking Constantine push that guy in the water after his kids are born and his kids eat him. Like it was it was some righteous justice right there. Like it was you know probably you know not really vigilante justice since they were just born, but they were just hungry. But I mean, it was definitely some payback there. I appreciate you going to that anti-hero thing with me, man, because that's the thing that's been going crazy with my mind reading Daredevil. Um, we've been, I think Colin and I, and guys, Colin, we back and we're going to, don't worry, Tony's going to be with us for good now. Uh, I forgot to tell you that, by the way, you're, you're with us for good now. Sweet. Um, um, I, got, I got paid. <laughs> I, got, I got a job. You're a made man now. Uh, welcome to Minefield, baby. Uh, Sweet. yeah, you're going to be doing this for good now. Um, but I think Colin and I have covered. I got to go my 401k then. Yes. 401k, full dental, baby. Full dental. Yes. Full dental. But if you're a smoker. It's gonna be extra then. You're gonna lose. You're gonna lose a discount. You're gonna lose a discount. Oh, I'm not, so I'm so good. <laughs> Daredevil. I think we've covered every single issue of Chip Zdarsky's Daredevil for so it's been like what two, almost two years now. Yeah, uh, so twenty three now. So um, let me pull that up at the moment, man, because that last one really hit me in the in the feels in the god I use one of those millennial terms in the cojones that's a better word right <laughs> yep. we find ourselves matt murdoch just found out his new legal counsel is the woman of his dreams that is missing the memory of them ever being together because he had to make a deal pretty much with the devil and he is oh god this this shot of him with his what what do we always call those, man? I've always been confused with like his sticks, his baton sticks, or the schema sticks. I think is what Nightwing calls them. I'm assuming they're the same thing. He's basically web slinging. Mm-hmm. He's web slinging. Which definitely works out for later in the book. <laughs> Especially, yeah. Uh, meet. Uh, have you read? You're, you're completely caught up on Daredevil, aren't you? Yeah, I've got the issue in my hand actually. Uh, Electra, man. God, it's, it's, there's a there's a de- uh, Deftone song called Street Carp. And mm-hmm. it's uh, it's off the white pony. It's not that I care truly, but you're the girl, and you know you make me climb the walls with my teeth. And the the song is here's my number dial six six six. Oh, I I don't remember. And he's basically bumping into his ex girlfriend who just fucking used his ass, and mm-hmm. she's not even bothering yeah. explaining what's going on here, man. I mean, like, and she's good. she's smiling. When was the last time you saw Electra smile? Yeah, dude. I mean, she's just she's the bad girl that you just can't get over. Oh. Like that's exactly what Electra is. She's always you know she's bad for you, but you can't you just can't walk away. Can't no matter how much you want to, no matter how freaking you know. There's something about those those bad girls that just gets freaking you know stuck in you, and you're just like, oh, I know I shouldn't, but but damn it. Yeah, mine was named Stevie with two V's. <laughs> Ooh. Never yep. trust Stevie. Never trust a Stevie. Never trust a Heather. 
Anything anything with a Y in the middle of the name I've found out is normally bad news. <laughs> I gotta say, the one of the things that stands out before we get true blue into this is that I love the fact that the writing and cinematography of the Netflix show has completely overtaken the tone of these books. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I was I'm a huge fan. I just finished season three maybe a month ago. So I waited, but I, you know, it's freaking awesome. Best side side was the best season so far. Man, I was such a mark for the Punisher, man. Such a mark for the Punisher. But the when it comes to okay, so Wilson Fisk can't get his hands dirty anymore. But why not? Mm -hmm. But how can he get his hands dirty? I know. Beat hammerhead, <laughs> goddamn dirt. Bloody uh, the crap out of him. Oh God, it's beautiful. He's gonna be fine. But uh, the the I love the how many different aspects of the story are separate entities. We've got mm -hmm. the bureaucracy of the mob. We have to fill this hole immediately because you're responsible for this hole even happening, becoming legit, and the owl try to take over, and now we need to make sure everyone is taken care of. And the fact that uh, he let the woman take over, I dug that because, I mean, she sacrificed her son for peace. Yeah. Yeah, Izzy Libris is a bad woman, dude. Freaking, she's. It'll be interesting to see what happens with it because I mean, there's there this that whole story, plus the fact that Daredevil's involved with her freaking daughter-in-law. Oh, that's you gonna know, bite Lord him knows in the where ass. that's gonna go if it's, it goes anywhere. It's gonna bite him in the ass. Like, like I think Zazarsky's just waiting for that to like. He he put that on the shelf for a bit. Like, pay attention mm -hmm. to this over here. Like like a good like street musician. Like look over here, but you forgot about this. <laughs> yeah. It's all it's all sleight of hand. It's all sleight of hand. You know, you got him, you got her, you got you know, Kirsten just came back into his life. Like I said, there's always gonna be Electra. Right. Like, but you can't you, know. you, you can't bring Electra home to meet Mama. Like she's Oh no, oh Lord no. no. And that's half the fun. Electra's not gonna give you your kids. Electra's like a... you remember that Chris Rock bit that you you wanna cheat but you can't. Um new New ladies always clear your mind, and I'm cleaning it up. <laughs> but new ladies can't cook. <laughs> yeah. That's a, you got to find a woman that can cook. Yep. It's one of the things I really like the most about this is the fact that I rarely notice action. I am so hung up on dialogue; it's so dense. Okay. Even like. God, I usually get annoyed when Foggy shows up because he's always there pissed off to clean something up and he's annoyed, but the reasons for him bringing her back and then Fisk bringing the bureaucracy back, but then we get some solid action here. Daredevil is... What do you think Daredevil's doing right now? How, do you, how, how are you translating what he's doing in his off time in between about, about to go to jail for a very long time? I feel like I feel like he's trying to clean pick up loose ends. Like that's kinda seems to be the whole tone of the book right now, is trying to get as much in order as he can before he, he goes, you know, goes to trial. You know, like I was saying earlier, going back to the surgery thing, I keep I keep harping on that. You know, before you know, before the probably two weeks before the surgery, I was trying to get as much done as I could, you know, make sure all my bills were accounted for, get a little bit of extra money in the bank, you know, make sure my car's good to go. You know, freaking get, you wanted to get, you know, I was like, just in case, you know, try to get as much stuff 
in order as you can in case you know something does go bad and you know i could definitely relate to daredevil on a personal level there i mean he's you know he's doing you know he's putting fit trying to put fisk in his place you know then you know spoiler alert spider-man shows up and he makes it a point to square up with spider-man because you know spider-man didn't know how to react to daredevil killing a guy and then you turn around and you find out spider-man killed the guy on accident once and he was just kind of putting you know transferring his emotions his hatred of himself on daredevil i need to do the research on this because the fact that he's saying he was on a caper with wolverine and through a Mm -hmm. i don't i've never heard of that before and they better show it (laughs) yeah it's in spider-man versus wolverine number one according to ed I gotta look that up, man. Because yeah, I'm curious now. I'm gonna get that app. And and guys, like, and it's one of those like type of moments. Where, like, you're, like you ever been with a buddy at a bar and you're just talking? You're having a beer, no crying allowed. <laughs> oh no, there will be crying. Trust me, there will be crying. You get enough, you get enough alcohol in me, dude. Dude, dude, ditto. But even then, it's like, nearly as much as you think it should be. But before before you get to that point, it's like you're on the level, you're having a beer, and then you're like, okay, we're on the same level now, and now we can actually talk. And yeah, I really wish that. I mean, they they couldn't go to a bar, but uh, this is like um. There's uh, gotta be a superhero bar in Manhattan somewhere. There's gotta there's be. A, there's the there's the some superheroes. There's the secret bar for the villains for all the F list assholes that are complaining yeah. about how they just got out of jail. Why not a bar for the fucking like superheroes? But I sent a screenshot of this to uh, Colin. He's my best friend. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that hug they had, man, because he was having a bad day. He yeah, was, he was having a bad day, and I sent this to him, and and the the the. I like how they they animate Spidey's eyes better now. Mm-hmm. And the, yeah, you see that awkward look in his face at first before yeah. he gives in to it. He gives in. There's that hug. You can, almost, you can almost see freaking Daredevil whispering in his ear, just let it happen. Just, just It's like that, uh, like in Fight Club, when uh, he lets go and cries into uh, Robert Paulson's titties. <laughs> mm-hmm. He just lets go. And uh, they, they have their talk. And, man, it's like, I, I imagine if this is like, now, the more I think about it, like, you know, when, you, when you're when you going through the stages of loss and there's depression, there's acceptance, there's anger, there's... I wonder if that's what Zadarsky is doing right now before Daredevil has to get put down. Yeah, he's just kind of dealing with it and he doesn't quite know how. I could definitely see it being like a seven stages of grief or seven stages of loss, I think it is. Yeah. Did you read the annual that came out three months ago? I did. I don't recall it too much in my head, but I definitely read it. It explains, like, after I read the annual, I was like, what the fuck is this? Okay, so it's like a, it was like some mystical clone of Matt that was... That's right. It was freaking, it was Mike Murdoch. Yep. And he was, like, Mephisto shows up, right? And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, he's getting all the memories of, as if he'd actually existed and things are getting rewritten, which is pretty typical... Uh, since we were already talking about Spidey, if like you remember when Spidey and MJ had to sacrifice their don't say it, don't say it. Not, not, nah, don't say last oh. sad day. Sad day. Sad. <laughs> Very sad day. Yeah. Uh, wow. I was so fucking pissed off when that came out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but nobody liked it. Especially when Mephisto was like, "Oh, by the way, you also sacrificed your daughter." 
fuck yeah. <laughs> but we've got we've got Mephisto play, so we've got Mike Murdoch, who is that's him. Uh, uh, yeah. It, it, the three months I've finished that annual. I'm like, what the fuck was the point of this? <laughs> now you know. Yep. Now we now we've got it. Yeah, because from what I understand, apparently he was like like Matt Murdoch would freaking pretend to be his brother, and he just pretended so much that freaking Mephisto was like, let it be. Just let it go. And Mephisto's going pretty yeah. hard right now. And the pages will just finished in. Uh, uh, Asia Kanthu uh, in Avengers and also within the pages of Doctor Strange and Ghost Rider uh, recently when Ghost Rider uh, uh, Cage was king of hell and trying to wrap things up going crazy with power Doctor Strange had his own problems with Mephisto and then Klonshu was trying to defeat Mephisto in every single dimensional level for his moon knights to take over Lord of Hell now? Uh, they have not wrapped that up because everything was going pretty hard until COVID hit and then things are going, coming out, uh, not as quickly little by little, yeah. as they should have been to. So it's one of those things where I hope they have a, uh, remember when this happened or reread this and, uh, mm-hmm. or here's a reminder, uh, for what's going on. But, uh, I, I, kinda, I really want to switch gears because we've been going really, really like, down heavy metal on like all the nitty gritty. I want to talk about the Flash. Okay. Flash, man. One of my favorite things about comic books, especially like the books from the seventies and the eighties, when you get random issues of it, is like they're one shot issues, or they can wrap something up in maybe two or three issues, as opposed to entire twelve ish episode wraps. This one really knocked me off my socks, man. I've been reading Flash for since. I've been reading Flash since Blackest Night. Okay, yeah. And this one really made me happy. Well, actually, most of the Flash in the past two years has made me happy. But this one made me happy in an old school way, especially because um, here's the bad guy. You, have, you might not know who he is. You're, we've got a problem here is DC is 80 years old. And we've got a lot of ancient bad guys that a lot of people don't give a shit about. And they bring in, what, the alchemist? Dr. Alchemy. Dr. Alchemy. And he's causing a ruckus. (laughs) (laughs) He's causing a problem. Uh, What were your initial takes when you first started reading it? Um, Unfortunately, my only time I've ever seen Dr. Alchemy before is I think he was on season three or four of The Flash. Never seen him before in my life. Yeah, I saw I saw him on there because he was like he was like the big overall villain. But um, other than that, he, he seems cool. You're definitely right about his uh, his costume. Definitely <laughs> looks like it's straight out of the '40s, '50s, or '60s. One hundred percent. Yeah, but I, I, you know, I think like one of the things I really like about the Flash personally is um, I love I love him and Iris together. Like him and Iris just seem like the couple like. You know, she, she seems supportive of him and all his stuff, but, like, you know, she definitely put him in his place. And another huge thing is she actually is helpful. 100%. Like, my wife, my wife will go off on this all the time. Like, oh, it was freaking uh, Batman versus Superman. He, she was like, Lois Lane's completely worthless in this movie. You don't need her for anything. She's just a girl to get in trouble. Agreed. And she hates, like, she hates that whole thing about, Dance you know, women are all in the stresses and garbage you know and like and i kind of feel the same way with like iris on the flash tv show 
like she just kind of you know she oh i'm gonna do this because i'm iris west and i'm a big deal and it's like all you do is get into trouble and like but then like iris in the comic books is freaking like she's legit she was lighting, like, constantly lighting a fire in her ass. Well, let's call Batman. Bitch, I don't need Batman. <laughs> he didn't say that, that but like, but like, I laughed out loud when I saw that. <laughs> when I was reading that, and he's just like, I don't, I don't need Batman. I'm not just gonna call Batman. You think he could? You think he calls me every time he needs to go to like, pick up something because he needs to get it quick? Yeah. No. No. Like I'm in, and he's just like, I'm in the Justice League. Damn it. Uh, this... And I was like, that is like, that is how couples talk oh, i dig it man you know, they, they kind of dig at each other a little bit and they you know they poke and prod to get the result they want out of out of their you know significant other and like Irish just comes off as like this this woman that understand like this you can tell they've been in a long-term relationship because she understands you know how to get the reaction out of barry she wants to get him motivated and another thing too is just the you know one of the things i think the flash does a lot better than a lot of other comics is a separate like the usefulness of the Flash and the usefulness of Barry Allen, because you know he's a scientist and he he knows how to make stuff happen, you know, and freaking he can utilize both aspects of that, and it even feeds into the Flash character with like his understanding of the Speed Force. Yeah, there's and there's not eight I don't feel like there's a lot of characters that get it, you know, that you can get like Bruce and Batman have like two separate things and like Bruce is useful to an extent, but like, it's almost like a character like matches Malone is more useful than Bruce Wayne is to Batman. That's a very good point. Before we get too far into that, I do want to say, I really like your aspect about uh, talking about you and your wife and, and Barry and his, his girlfriend. It, it is such an absolute behind every good man is a better woman. Like yeah. there is, yeah. Without a without a good woman that that has your back, you're you're shit. Like like you, you might you've got a good extent, but the the fact that she's constantly lighting fire after fire under his ass, she like she was just po- poking at him, just like you said. And but it was it was you know for a reason. For a reason, yeah. figure it out. Yeah, like you're you're Barry Allen, you're the Flash. There's no reason you shouldn't. There's no reason you can't do this. You know, and sure enough, and then it ends up like the whole thing ends up being um, about a date they were going to have because they wanted to go see the Metal Men exhibit. <laughs> and the whole thing is that's where Dr. Alchemy's going to be because he needs the, um, uh, I forget what it's called, the, the sponsometer. Yes, and it, it was funny when she's like, well, I guess you can't come with me to this. And like, and then the back of your head, uh, as someone that's read comics, or they, they do that 50s thing where like, of course, that's where the bad guy's going to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's perfect. It was so much fun, and everything moved quickly, and it had a lot of density to the dialogue. I really love the fight scenes that, that happen here. The fact that we are legitimately given like a good 25%, how's Barry Allen getting out of this? As opposed to a 95%, we're doomed. It's a summer yeah. event. Uh, no, this is fun. This is why... Like, this is why... Like, these sort of comics should exist. And, God, his... God, you weren't kidding, man. His costume. It's so bad. It's like the Spectre. It's the Spectre and Aquaman and... Uh, I don't know. Look at his boots. They're like... Goodwill. 
<laughs> with an anus. Yeah, that's, and there and there's some definite Robin Hood in there. So maybe a little bit of Green Arrow. Yeah, he's got the A on his forehead and on the top of his hood. <laughs> yeah. He broke out a like, who's his tailor? Oh, dude, I'm telling you, man, he's he's going to Dollar Tree or something. <laughs> It, 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 it is a horrible. It, it's I'm not a you know I normally not rag on comic book guys' outfits, but wow, <laughs> like Doctor Alchemy is a guy that needs a good woman who knows how to dress him. Agreed, and get him a sandwich or something like that. But like the the science follows. I like the fact that they um un they were colleagues. what was that? They were colleagues. Yeah, they were colleagues, and and also the fact that the un America. Americanized it, and they used the Philosopher's Stone because a lot of people don't know the original title title of the first Harry Potter book is not the Sorcerer's Stone. It's Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. That's that's the old school, old timey mythological title of it. But they had to Americanize it over here across the pond because philosopher is a really hard term for American kids. And I. What did you think about the science, man? Because I was really taken aback by how intuitive and how inspired the cover was. The way they spelled the flash out with the elements using mm-hmm. the uh, uh, Da Vinci uh, trope of spelling out flash with with the alchemist, man. I, I love those sort of covers that give you the hint what's going to happen. I don't know, but you also are not being teased that like by the end of the comic, like the cover had nothing to do with this. Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of that either. But no, I thought the I thought the cover was great. You know, they definitely mentioned some stuff. They like they go into the history of the Philosopher's Stone in here. Oh, you know, I, I love I love when they you know you can tell that like somebody put some time and effort into a book, and they're just like they researched what needed to be done. And you like what a character like the Flash, you know, same thing with like a character like Batman is you gotta you know you have to do some research into you know how this is done. You know, the detective aspect of it for Batman. As well as a science aspect for the Flash, you know, because I mean, why wouldn't Flash be one of the you know the smarter superheroes in comics, you know, and that maybe not like number three like Mister Terrific, but like he's you know he, the guy's not dumb, which is kind of like what pissed me off about the Justice League movie was like like that was the one thing that bugged me. I just was pushed like, people out of the way. Like I was like, dude, Barry Allen's like one of the smartest guys in you know in comic books. That bothered me too. You know, I was like, you know, this is, I was like, maybe because he just started, but I mean, you know, he was already, I mean, the whole thing is he got, he was in his office in his, you know, in his lab and he got hit by the lightning to become the flash in the first place. And this guy's kind of a joke. Uh, Just on a quick parallel uh, tangent here. I just sent you the variant cover. Uh, I'm, I hate variant cover culture. Mm -hmm. Look how shitty. I'm not saying that. The variant cover was shitty, but look, compared to the actual cover, it's not nearly as good. Not, I, I wouldn't pick up that book. Not you're gonna spend ten dollars for this cover, that is just a pose, as opposed to something that has some something relevant to the goddamn story. Yeah. Some depth to it. God, I, I, dude, I appreciate that, man. And all right, so we're talking about the indebtedness of of the the culture in terms of like they they show the old school versions of the Philosopher's Stone, the fact that Barry has to outthink people, the fact that he's fast, great. <laughs> great, but I bet I bet if the, he was depowered, he would still figure out a way to do this because he's that goddamn smart. 
Yeah, I think they just did a thing where they, they were like the Speed Force wasn't working a few months back, actually. Yeah, that was. And sure enough, he had to he had to figure it out. That was wonderful. The uh, we were talking about when Speed Force wasn't working, it was diminishing, and he had to find Reverse Flash to help him fit, uh, beat defeat. Um, was it not Parallax? Um, it's a paradox. Dude, paradox. Paradox. Oh, dude, that was awesome, dude. And the fact that the 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 villain was was redeemed and everything was put back in its place, despite and you know you get those little those little things that like most people are like wait a minute, they've got a uh, a treadmill. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, they got a kick-ass treadmill. <laughs> they got a kick-ass treadmill, and they're going in different worlds and rebuilding things, and you have to outthink your way out of what the Flash is doing. It did bother mm-hmm. me when, like I said earlier, when like all I, in the movie and Justice League, all I do is push people out of the way. And, well, just push a bunch of people out of the way, then do what you got to do. You know? Yeah. Like yeah. I, I get that he freaking you know he was newer. Like, I get that, but, I mean, seriously, come on, he's Barry freaking Allen. Like, you could have used, you could have used another Flash if you'd freaking wanted him to just be a dude. That's a good point. But they did give us Jason Momoa, so I'm not going to knock it. God. Jason Momoa is the one guy that can make Aquaman cool, it's not The Rock. He made him goddamn cool. He Uh, did. And it's a challenge, don't you think, in enjoying DC stuff? No, I actually like I like a lot of the DC movies. Freaking, I think the last couple of years have definitely been better. I you know, said, Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman Ons have been phenomenal. I said the wrong word. Um, challenging for people that are used to Marvel. Oh yeah, no, Mar- Marvel makes it difficult for sure. Like, I think the whole problem, legitimately, is that they made such a point to get to they, they freaking you know, Marvel took years to build to freaking avengers and they they gave you characters and gave them time to like grow on you and dc tried to do it in like three movies that's a good like point. that's the biggest thing you never there was there was no getting used to aquaman i mean you loved aquaman because jason moe was just the coolest dude that's not dwayne johnson in the world he just is that's a goddamn good point he's married to fucking uh lisa benet man i mean like oh. to, to be cooler than lenny kravitz <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. But I mean, the like freaking um, cyborg I thought was cool, but like, you you didn't give me anything with him, and then Fl- Flash was garbage. Like that was the one part of the movie I didn't care for. I thought overall I thought it was a solid movie, but like if you'd have given me, uh, you know, the Aquaman movie beforehand, or if you'd given me a cyborg movie or a Flash movie, you know, other than other than freaking that, the only thing we got we got two seconds of the Flash and Suicide Squad, which was cool. Very cool. But, you know, other than that, I was like, dude, like, why should I care? Like, you guys got to give me time to let these characters grow on me. Even a character like Black Widow in uh, in Marvel, you know, she at least got time to grow in freaking Iron Man 2. Like, she didn't even get her own movie, which is travesty, by the way. But It's coming again, out. It's coming out. Yeah. It should have happened already, goddamn. It should have been the first one as far as female-led superhero movies from Marvel. Like, I, I was not a fan of Captain Marvel. I it, thought she was kind of shoved down our throats. It took me three times to watch it to get past what I was told that I should like it for until I was able to actually watch it with my own two eyes as opposed mm-hmm. to what everyone else told me I should have enjoyed. I hated it the first time I saw it. 
I barely yeah. liked it the second time. The third time, I was able to let go, and I was able to enjoy it for what it was. Justice League, um, man, I, it probably it, it was the same thing with uh, Batman vs. Superman, because I thought that they brought Doomsday in way too soon. Way too goddamn soon. Like, it, it, you had to build up to Doomsday, and all of a sudden... Oh, exactly. There's Doomsday, and then... The Martha thing was pretty silly, but at the same time, though, I, I think everything was more of a litmus test that they were trying to catch up as fast as they could. But at the same time, their characters have so much more depth and uh, so many more layers than what are happening. What's happening with Marvel? I mean, okay, so we got Tony Stark. He makes weapons. His parents are dead. Um, used to be oh. a drunk. Oh yeah, that's it. But then you've got what was going on with Batman and Superman. And then so many different things going on in terms of, like, if you weren't reading the comics, there was no way you would think that Batman could hold his own against Superman. But if you'd seen Doomed, um, or Doom, actually, the, the, the cartoon. The movie, yeah. Yeah, the cartoon, cartoon movie. Yeah. You would know uh, he's got a backup plan for everything. And you get, yeah. You, and, and do you feel that the... I feel like the, the Marvel movies are more entertaining on a base level if you had a couple of drinks... But if you had a little bit more time to think about it, you, you would enjoy DC movies more off more. But then it's flip flopped with the with the cartoons. The Marvel cartoons are crap compared to the the DC movie cartoons. Flashpoint. Oh yeah. Justice League. Um, Hush. Uh, yeah, they built an entire universe off of cartoons. Oh god. They, they did. They did what they should have done with the movies on the in the cartoons. That's that's where they went wrong. No, I mean, my the biggest thing with uh, Batman versus Superman for me personally was they were trying to tell me how good the next two movies were going to be. That was the entire thing. It was a movie to set up more movies as opposed to giving me a story that I just wanted. I just wanted to see Batman versus Superman. I, I don't, you know, Wonder Woman was in there. You freaking, you introduced the rest of the Justice League with those little big nets. But then there was a whole thing with the dream, and there was a whole segment thing with Flash coming back from the future in the dream. Teasing Flashpoint. Everything. I was like, I just want one cohesive story I can get into. And for the record, my mother-in-law's name is Martha, so I totally got the Martha theme. I'd have have done the exact same thing. I dig it, man. Dude, I never thought about it that way, man. Which way is that? In terms of, like, the way you're talking about the DC movies... Especially with Barry, if if I had, I was like, when I was watching The Flash, mm -hmm. um, like the TV show, I was like, okay, yeah. I always felt like, okay, I get it, it's not canon, but then mm -hmm. then they brought in um, what's his name, the guy that plays him from the movies. I'm like, oh my god, why didn't we see this coming? It's a fucking multiverse. The like, like <laughs> that's one of the best parts about DC is the multiverse. And, and, uh, it just made me happy in terms of that. Okay. So it legit, like, and, but at the same time though, why would I need a, something to legitimize it? Oh, because yeah. the movies are connected now. That makes it legitimate. What is really legitimate? What really gets yeah. you off? That's what I'm talking about. It, it, it's kind of bullshit. Just like when I'm talking about the, the, the variant covers, we're talking about variant covers and like. We're looking at this beautiful cover that actually has something to do with the story, and then there's yeah. this, there's this. Okay, that painting's good. It's digital. It's cool. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I was like, dude, like, how many times did you see like 
the fake advertising on the freaking covers where it's like, oh my, this, you know, somebody's going to die or they just freaking like, this is just, you see freaking, you got the science stuff here. You've got freaking Barry standing in there and you've got freaking flash in front of Barry. And then you've got freaking Dr. Alchemy behind that. And then you've got more of the freaking tiles. And it's just like, this is just like, this is probably, this is a tremendous cover. And it's a gorgeous like, cover. You don't normally see, like you don't normally see that. Using you know, next it's creative. They they use the element the element uh, you know the the abbreviations table of, of elements table yeah. table of elements abbreviations to to spell out what's gonna happen and I'm excited. I, I, it makes me happy. Yeah, I just wish you get a new outfit. I did. I didn't even think about it when we were freaking like when I was reading it, but like when sort of when we were free flowing just bullshit, and I was like, that outfit is really hideous. <laughs> It's pretty bad. It's a horrible outfit. Did you ever see the Batman character, uh, the calculator? Oh God. <laughs> I don't think I have. But Batman's got some pretty, you know, Condiment King and freaking Polka Dot Man. Like that's one of the interesting with the Suicide Squad is they got so many B-rate villains. I'm like, oh, those outfits are god awful, and like you're just like you're gonna die, you're gonna die, you're gonna die. Cat Boomerang's gonna live. You're gonna die. You're gonna die. You're gonna get your ass kicked. You're gonna be in that that secret bar, wishing you know, trying to get a group of guys together to do some sort of stupid caper to pay for your costume yeah. or or pay off whatever you owe to Silvermane. <laughs> oh, jeez, hoping that neck and that bomb in your neck don't explode. <laughs> exactly, man. I will say that I do not even. I like Suicide Squad, the movie. I liked it. I freaking. I get that the like. The worst, I mean, the worst part is obviously like the villain and the story, but it's basically like remember how I was talking about how I like Fantastic Four? Yeah. Like freaking, it's it's Suicide Squad is a movie that in like if it was in the same era as freaking the original Fantastic Four, nobody would bitch about. Like That's there's just point. that certain there's that certain like five ten years of movies that like they were like they were it you know it was. Freaking like the first, like I hate, I got like the first Ghost Rider. I hated the second one. Freaking Blade, Blade was kind of like the first serious comic book movie. Oh, people forget about that. They were like, oh yeah, Deadpool was the first real rated R superhero movie. Bitch, please. <laughs> like, yeah. We were doing that shit twenty years ago. Blade, we were doing that shit in nineteen ninety eight. Blade Don't care had what you say. Blade had a uh, fucking what's her name Tracy Lords at the beginning porn star. Mm-hmm. Uh, he murders everyone. We've got one of the best acid house well, tracks. While, of there, all time. while there's freaking blood coming out of the freaking um, <laughs> the blood fire yeah, the blood. Like it, was, like it was a, it was you know at, at the time it was freaking amazing. And I remember popping huge in Blade Two because he did a suplex randomly. <laughs> I, still, I saw that shit in the theaters with my friend, and I freaking still remember it vividly. Dude, I feel you. Man. I can't remember what I had for, I can't remember last Tuesday, but I can remember that fucking suplex. I can remember watching Blade Two in the theater too, because uh, we saw that it, that movie came out at the same time the Scorpion King came out. Oh, and not not good. Yeah, everyone was fucking with me and my buddies because, dude, I gotta tell you, man, like some of the best times of my life, all the best times of my life involved wrestling. Uh, mm-hmm. My, I tuned out. And then my roommate got me back in, and we were we were watching Raw and SmackDown, and then our suite mate who had it was me and my roommate AJ, and then there was these two dudes that were from Compton. We called the homies that shared the other uh, room with the two beds, and then Daniel had the single, and mm-hmm. every 
uh, Monday and every um, Thursday, we were watching Raw and SmackDown. I mean, we were beating the shit. We were getting high and drunk, beating the shit out of each other. I remember I broke Daniel's toe. Uh, I got a concussion one time. Then we found oh, this place. Then we found this place. Uh, um, we were going to uh, my first freshman year. I was going to UNM in Albuquerque. Okay. Uh, we found this place across the street from the bookstore called Los Banditos. And it was, okay. it was it was eight. None of the people there spoke English, which means the food was amazing. But mm-hmm. it was it was eight dollars for a pitcher of whatever. It was eight dollars for a pitcher of beer or eight dollars a pitcher of Dr Pepper. We were all nineteen, so we were getting Dr Pepper. But yeah. we all load up on. They're playing SmackDown and on the on the the giant big screen TV, not a flat screen, big screen. And mm-hmm. um, because it was two thousand and one, uh, yeah, two thousand one, and uh, we're loading up fajitas and. I mean, we're all we're all Mexican except AJ. He was, but he grew up in Albuquerque, so you know he knew how to eat the it's real food. Like yeah, and we take one bite out of our fajitas, and we're like, <laughs> like those aren't bell peppers; those are fucking habaneros and jalapenos. And but <laughs> but we're watching SmackDown, man. So we got to keep eating. <laughs> yeah. And um, all right. Point of that, we're beating each other up, man. I'm getting all fucking nostalgic on that shit. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. I want to talk. You're talking about the fact that there was too many expectations on Suicide Squad, especially with the involvement of Harley Quinn. For anyone to no, truly, to, to to really enjoy the movie as a standalone movie, and you know Will Smith is Deadshot. I loved him. He was great. Uh, Viola well, Smith. The, the thing was, the casting was phenomenal. Like, I think the I mean, freaking Captain Boomerang was spot on. Diablo was spot that on. That was Jay Hernandez. I love that guy, man. Joe. Like, he was underrated in that movie. Plus the fact that he's freaking immortal. Like, his character's immortal. He can come back anyway. And they don't. Like, they're probably not going to bring him back. But freaking they should bring him back. Because he was great. Freaking the only thing. Like, like I said, the freaking. the It was basically like if they did freaking Ghostbusters with Suicide Squad. I dug it. Like it was, it wasn't. Like I said, I did not my, not my favorite because I went to do. I, I just went in there hoping it wasn't garbage. Like I went in there with low expectations. Like freaking, they've definitely done better. Like like I said, anything from like Wonder Woman on has been phenomenal. Like I didn't want to see Birds of Prey, but freaking my my wife talked me into it, and I was like, I kind of want to check it out. I really, and then it was, it was great. I lo- even the TV show, I like Birds of Prey. Um, Gail Simone wrote uh, during the. Uh, Brightest Day storyline, she wrote one of the most epic Birds of Prey storylines ever. I mean, it was to die for. Everything involved with Blackest Night and Brightest Day. And then we got Flashpoint. And just give it a chance, listeners, you know, minefielders out there. It, DC and Marvel are like Star Wars and DC. I'm sorry, Star Wars and, and Star Trek. Star Trek. Star Trek. Star Trek, the science lines up. There's more emotional quality, and then Marvel is more punch in the face, and then little bits of story that you can skew on. I honestly, man, the more I've been digging into everything, the more and more I find myself a DC guy. I find more pleasantries in the DC app than I do in the Marvel. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely read more, far more DC than I do Marvel currently. And I've got I've got the cartoons. I'm, I'm freaking I'm dug I'm dug in deep, man. What was your like favorite? I said the, the freaking one thing that's like ah, uh, but even that's improved tremendously over the last like I said three four years. What was your favorite cartoon of DC? 
Um, jeez. I'd... Let me see. Probably... Let me see. Assault on Arkham was really good. Very good. I, like I said, big, big Suicide Squad fan. Um, I'm trying to think of which one it was. They introduced Damien. That one's freaking solid. Damien's one of the best characters of all time. Oh, yeah. And he even makes a comeback with freaking... He's in uh, the end of Batman. Or the end of Detective Comics is... They reveal that freaking somebody snuck into the Batcave and stole freaking um, the Black Book, uh, uh, Batman, Batman's Black Case Book, and freaking ends up being Damien. This is why you need to read Teen Titans, because in the past uh, couple issues of Teen Titans, uh, the Teen Titans found out that they were doing some bad shit. In Teen Titans, what they were doing was Damien was leading the team, and they were kidnapping the bad guys keeping them in their fortress in the dungeon and torturing them into being good oh wow and deadshot got away and eventually uh they ended up killing deadshot though they thought they did and then uh one of their own betrayed them because he was in love with oh god the genie chick i can't remember her name on top of my head and jen jen yes jen and uh so, uh, daughter of Lobo, um, Smash? Crush. 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 Yeah. Um, yes. She she had a big problem with it, and then they eventually sorted things out. They freed Jin, and they were left with the fact that they were a bunch of fuck-ups, and what they did was wrong, and they were realizing that they needed a better leader, and that's when Deadshot came back, Robin tried to kill him, started setting people up, and then Batman tried to stop him. And Damon's like, I'm not your son anymore. I'm, d- I'm not Robin anymore. And Teen Titans are functioning right now without Robin, and they are kicking some ass. And, oh, nice. And this, it's not a kid story, man. And I, I really love that you brought that in and, and talked about that to, for me to be able to do that segue because this isn't a throwaway story, what's going on in Teen Titans. Like, this is canon. And like I said earlier, I gotta drift away from what's canon and what's not because I might deprive myself of a good story. Oh, um, yeah. But at the same time, though, if you weren't reading Teen Titans, would you know that Damien is vigilante now and has everyone against him right now? I had no idea. It's, oh, it's, quick, quick side note though: that movie with uh, Damien debuts. Yeah. It's Bat- Batman versus Robin. Oh. Son- so sad. Son of Talia oh, al Ghul. Batman. That was the next one after it is Batman versus Robin. So that's when they do the uh, the Talon oh, debut. Good Port choice. So both of those are freaking solid. My favorite was Batman Year One when it was completely focused on uh, Commissioner Gordon and Brian Cranston was playing Commissioner Gordon. When he oh, was, yeah, that one. Uh, that one knocked me off my socks, man. Like that that one. That one, I think I've seen that probably movie like eight, nine times because it was like, every time I was feeling like down on myself, I'd put that on. Mm-hmm. And it would always pump me up because Gordon worked his way through the ranks through corruption and and he still stood dead to rights for everything he believed in. And like I said earlier before, there's more of an emotional aspect for DC. You're not going to find too much of that in Marvel. Yeah. The, the most we've gotten is how much... Tony missed that, you know, lamented the fact that Peter Parker died, and then when Park comes back, Tony dies, and it's all about Tony being dead. And... Yeah. Well, there, there is a cap when he loses his the, the girl of his dreams. 
Oh, dude, that was one of the biggest that movies. That was one of the biggest movie payoffs of all time. Like, yeah. I was enthralled by the big battle. But when Falcon is like, you want to explain the ring? No. And then they, we got the dance. Yeah. We got the dance. Dude, I cried. I cried like a fucking little bitch with a skin knee in that scene. He got his dance. And he got everything back. And then we get to a point where we can evolve. And like we, like what Tommy were talking earlier, like we can't just make someone black and a superhero to make this group of people happy because right now everyone wants everyone to be as immersive as possible and it's going to make for a shitty story if you're making things just arbitrary gay black trans um, yeah, trying to put people in the molds and whatnot agreed the if you want a, a true blue story look into the evolution of falcon and taking over for cap for a lot of years <laughs> and yeah. it was awesome it was awesome. He was just as good as Cap. He just wasn't a super soldier. No. Which might even make it a little bit better. Now, uh, speaking of those those sort of uh, cash grabs, I'm a little torn about the McFarlane cover of Spawn lately. Oh. Uh, now, Todd is a... The Todd father, one of my personal heroes, by the way. Nice. Is... He's one of the greatest businessmen I can think of right now. He refuses to let anyone tell him what to do. He's the complete opposite of Jim Lee. Jim Lee, I don't want to say he's a sellout, but he's pretty goddamn close. Uh, in the in the book Super Gods, written by Grant Morrison, which is a it's a real thick book where he's it's a half autobiographical story where he's telling the story about comic books. And he got really in-depth on things I never knew about Image comic books. For example, it was Todd trying... He was pissed because he was tired of people telling him what to do. And he was getting all the troops together to try to form something different. And him, Sylvestri, Liefeld... Liefeld was just a kid, man. He was doing the Gap Gene commercials and shit. And, <laughs> and they needed they needed one more person. Wills Portacio, they already had him. They had... Um, God, who's the guy doing Savage Dragon? Eric Larson. They wanted Jim Lee. He's like, no, no. I'm loyal to Marvel. They, they're paying my bills. Not going to do it. And the linchpin was when Lee was on his way, or almost on his way, to go to the auction for the covers of X-Men number one that was eventually sold for millions. Yeah. And... Marvel would not pay for the plane ticket for his wife. Really? I okay. did not know that. Okay, so he's not making any money off this auction because all the art belongs to Marvel. Period. Mm -hmm. He just wants to go there and he asked them to buy the plane ticket for his wife. They said, no, we're not going to pay for a plane ticket. Okay, you're about to make a million something dollars off my, my drawing. I'm not getting a dime off of. Even though you know, he's getting some residuals from just do it in general. But they disrespected his wife. All right, who who do you love enough to have John Cena for the? Uh... Did I hear that wrong? No, I didn't say none. Okay, I swear I heard your phone ring and it was John Cena. <laughs> no, no, no. He's on speed dial, but no. Well, they disrespected his wife, and that's how mm -hmm. they that's how they got it. Well, he and you're talking about. 
being a Wildstorm dude. We're looking at a cover spawn number 311, Chadwick Boseman, in memory of Chadwick Boseman, Boseman 1976-2020. It's a gorgeous cover, Wakanda Forever. Instead of the skull for the belt, it's the, the Black Panther helm. At first I was a little turned off by it, to tell you the truth. Cash grab. But, all the Marvel comics say in memory of Chadwick Boseman at the top, and inside you see this like eulogy and a photo of him, but none of them went this far, and it took me a bit to, to really dig it, to just make him into beautiful art, just, why not Spawn, you know, a lot of people had problems with Spawn being black, people don't know Spawn's black, and... Why not? I don't think... At first I was wondering, did Todd do this for a cash grab? I don't think so. I think he was just honoring a good a good guy. No, I mean, that's, that's definitely the way I took it, man. Just freaking... It, you know, it's it's classy. It looks it looks solid. It, it merges the two characters well. But, like, yeah, I think it's just... A, I, I just took it as a respect thing. I didn't take it as any anything other. I get yeah. worried about that sort of stuff, man. I feel like that sort of worry me, like, kind of, like, hinders me from enjoying things sometimes. And... It's, it's beautiful, man. It, yeah, it's, I mean, I can definitely, I can definitely see how it, you know, that would take away some of it. You know, it just kind of, it's, you know, it's, it's art. You know, it's and one person's gonna look at the same art completely different than somebody else will. You know, I'm sure people, and people are, people are douches. People will call people out on that stuff on the internet and be like, you know, you did, you did this. It's like, no, all I did was draw a picture of a guy that I respected. And that should be the end of it. And people, you know, people do. They take that differently and they take it negatively. Colin and I had issues with it when when he died. I mean, we found out, we found out, well, I found out that uh, Chadwick died uh, when I was over at Randy's house watching because uh, he was having his um, Bill and Ted party in his garage. Okay. And I was, I, he, Colin texted me and he's like, "Holy fuck!" And I was like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "Black Panther." And I googled it real quick, and in the middle of the movie, it's a quiet moment, and I said, "Son of a bitch!" And <laughs> and Randy's like, "What's going on?" And I sh and I showed him to it, and I'm like, and I pulled it real quick, and I was like, "Man, I don't want to chafe his buzz, man, because we're about to watch, you know, Bill and Ted, and it, it like, and I." It, we saw all these things before he died that, you know, he was too skinny. Everyone thought he was on drugs. Oh, no. <clears throat> Cancer. All y'all are assholes. Yeah. Poor guy's just sick. He's sick. And... He's been sick for years and nobody, you know, I don't know, I'm pretty sure only those closest to him knew. Maybe the directors knew. I don't know. But, I mean, that's, that's, you know, kind of metal of a man at that one, dude. Freaking... Just, I mean, he knew how important making that Black Panther movie was and all the other movies he was doing and, you know, made it a point to battle through. I mean, that's, you know, that's nothing but respect. That really empowered everyone, man. I love that he was one of the first ones to come through the uh, the portal. You know, we got mm -hmm. Falcon on your left, but then, you know, but Black Panther was, you know, get this man a shield. Uh, or, but when they come through the portal and he's looking at him, doing the run with the gauntlet man jesus christ man that that just I, when i get depressed calling too man like uh we'll just put on that in-game fight scene then we're good to go 
<laughs> nice. We're good to get it. It's a dude. I mean, like I said, that's the biggest difference between Marvel and DC is freaking Marvel spent, you know, 10, 12 years building up to moments. DC didn't. Like, push comes to shove. That's that's what their biggest problem is. Like, give me give me freaking two or three Superman movies before freaking you bring forth Darkseid. I can't wait for the Zack Snyder cut, man. It'll be interesting. I'm 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 definitely probably gonna check it out when it comes out. Just freaking, just to see the differences. Oh, by the way, uh, something popped in my head. I was gonna mention to you earlier. Um, one of the best Blu-ray sets I ever bought was ten dollars at Best Buy, and I think you can find it on um, eBay or whatever. But it was a ten dollars set of three Blu-rays. It was Watchmen, V for Vendetta, and Constantine. Oh, nice. All three, they didn't even say Alan Moore collection. It was just, someone just said, all right, here you go. <laughs> just got to put them together. Screw it. Put them together. Now, I really need you to sell me on Death Metal, man, because I've been trying to read it, and I know it's Greg Capullo, and I'm just, I'm having trouble with metal. Oh, well, I got freaking, this one's Robin King that came out from Death Metal this week. Freaking issue one. Of course, it's a one-shot. Um, no, it's just, I, I'm really been digging the series because like, I'm, I'm a huge Elseworlds guy and I, I love the fact that you can basically do anything with these characters since they're basically all, it's, they're all just in their own little worlds. But, uh, Robin King's just kind of really interesting because Batman's for you know, Bruce Wayne's basically probably eight to 12 in this iteration and turns out he actually killed his own parents. Oh, I dig you know, it. He, he, he was the one that shot you know martha and thomas but like you know alfred is just you know it starts out with them over his grave or over his parents graves and freaking alfred's just sad and like he looks over bruce and bruce is smiling because he's never you know he's never been happier you know than knowing that he killed his parents and like um, he just looks over and there's a, you know, it's raining, but there's a, a robin in this tree. And he just thinks about how happy the robin is. And like freaking, he, you know, he's just uh, this, you know, robin so happy. It's singing its song. It's got, you know, it's little robin friends with it. And he's just like, that's who I'm going to be. I'm going to be a robin. You know, I'm going to do what I do and I'm going to enjoy, I'm gonna enjoy what I do. So Batman's a robin? Yeah, he, he's robin now. Like in this iteration, because it's all different, you know, each Batman is from a different world. So this one, yeah, this one's just, you know, like I said, he's 8 to 12 probably at the most, because I think Batman was 8 when his parents died initially. But yeah, he just, he becomes, he's, you know, he becomes Robin instead of Batman, which I think is a crazy, you know, it's something different, which is, like I said, exactly what I'm going for with, you know, any type of Elseworlds story. But yeah, it's just you know it goes in like it goes into him making his utility belt and the, just the crazy stuff he's got in it, you know it's like it's it's all numbered and labeled so you can look up to see which one it is, you know he's got freaking a bottled imp in there and some Lazarus pit water, wow, Mephistopheles um, <laughs> bind of veils, which looks like it's freaking Wonder Woman's lasso of truth basically. Freaking, he's got a a god thriller which is charged with. Zeus's deity killing lightning. He's got holy water and unholy water. <laughs> and, and he's randomly got like Ragman's soul rags and Lobo's hook. 
He's got Lobo's hook. Okay, so yeah. then that that's gonna piss me off if they don't do a Lobo on this one because Lobo is my second favorite in the DC universe. Oh, nice. But yeah, it's just it's just like, this is you know it, it's you know, the thing about these like all the different Batman is they're all at their core still Bruce Wayne. They're all still the guy that went out and trained and you know honed his body to as physically perfect as it could be. But then they're like I said, they're all just screwed up, you know. And then the whole thing with Robin is that in his mind he's just imagining, like he he just he just hates adults. Oh, like he just that. can't. He, yeah, he can't stand adults. He can't stand them telling him what to do. He can't stand the fact that they think they're controlling him and all this. Um, and the whole thing is his whole plan. The whole thing about Robin or the Robin King is that he's all about hope. But the hope's with the children. And he's going to lead by example and get all these children to follow him by, you know, by doing whatever he needs to do. And, you know... Child army. That's dangerous. Yeah. Ch- it's children of the corn. Only freaking without, you know, without the mind control. Well, what's, yeah. his, what's his mind wavelength on this, man? Is he, go- is he anti-hero? Is he doing something bad doesn't realize he, he or think he's doing something good but he's doing something bad or i'm not like like he's definitely doing bad things because he's out here just murdering guys but like i think he thinks he's a good guy because he just at the end of the day it makes him happy murder is murder gets him he, he gets off on the murder like he i mean in like the first couple pages he just he kills firestorm Freaking, he gets both uh, Hawkman and Hot Girl. Uh, Hans Von Hammer, or, yep, Hans Von Hammer and Steve Savage. I don't even know who those guys are. But, like, and then, you know, next thing you know, he's tangling with the Trinity. I wonder how and they're he, doing these writing meetings, man, because they're, they're doing three Jokers, and Bruce Wayne is making amends with Joe Chill. Mm-hmm. And then we've got Batman as Robin running amok just blatantly doing murders especially with the parallel for the uh what was that what was the name of the kid the asian kid that's now the the joker killer or the clown oh killer? clown hunter clown, clown hunter. hunter dude i can't wait to find out more about him i want everything to do with that kid because uh, uh, I, I, I assumed it was damien i thought it was i damien figured too. i figured it was gonna come out i figured it was gonna come out and it was damien i thought and to find was... out it's a whole different character and the whole thing is that he's mad at batman it, it, it's kind of red hood ish or because he freaking, you know, he's mad at Batman for letting his parents die. Same way that Jason's mad at freaking Batman for letting him die. But at the so same time, though, it's, it's, it's a complete... Uh, dude, I was for sure Clown Killer was Damien. Mm-hmm. Like, what I, I, better way to make your dad proud? <laughs> I figured he just wanting attention. You know, especially after you were talking about, you know, freaking him being, you know, excommunicated from the Teen Titans, apparently. Completely. And doing the vigilante thing, it's like, why wouldn't he be? Because, I mean, he's got homicidal tendencies anyway. Son of Raza Cool's daughter, Talia. I mean, like, raised. He was. Ba- his his stepdad was basically Raza Cool. Yeah. Basically raised him for, like, the first eight years of his life. Did you ever read the uh, Batman and Robin issues um, when uh, Dick Grayson took over Batman after uh, Batman R.I.P.? I think I'd slid out around that time. Oh, so I dude! Did not, 
I really want to. I need to. Grant Morrison. Those old ones. Grant Morrison wrote that. That those are. If you find a trade paperback for that, grab it immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's one of those books that you will buy buy a cheap version with a soft cover because you're going to lend it to someone and don't expect to get it back. And, and hopefully the guy you lent it to that didn't give it back is going to get lent it to someone else and it's going to travel because that Batman and Robin book with um, there's there's a reverse scene because we're, we're talking about uh, guys if you want to talk uh, we talked about Three Jokers in the last issue of Minefields but this one when we're talking about Batman and Robin with Grant Morrison oh, I, God, I swear it was Grant Morrison yeah it was, it was. yeah and um the God, what is his name? The Captain Pig or Mister Pig? Professor Pig. Professor Pig ended up being the Joker, but it was Professor Pig was in custody. Gordon and Dick Grayson, as Batman, were on their way to investigate something else, and like, wait a minute, where's Robin? And flashed to a scene where it's Damien beating Professor Pig to a inch of his life the entire time oh, wow. he's cackling and cackling. okay of course he's a joker and then we've got that uh did you ever read um the the two issue series where it was in the pages of batman in detective comics it was a two issues written by neil gaiman of the funeral for batman that alfred put on specifically for the villains I'm, I'm going to go with a soft and no. It is going to hit you like a strike of lightning. It's two issues. Alex Ross did the covers. Alfred mm. legit put on a funeral for the villains to come pay their respects, and they all did. Oh, wow. It was something else. Yeah, I definitely remember that if I did, so no. It was, it was a flip of a coin, man. And what else you got on, uh, on uh, Death Metal Robin, man? Ah, dude, freaking, um, so after that, freaking, the Batman Who Laughs shows up, which, like I said, goes against everything Robin's got going for him as far as his hatred of adults. Well, the whole thing is that freaking, um, Batman, or Batman Who Laughs basically goes off saying that freaking this reality isn't real, it doesn't matter, this, just, this planet's gonna die soon, you know, you can come to me, with me to the real world, and we can, you can kill as many people as you want. And he's like, well, you know, why not? But the whole thing, he freaking, you know, like I said, he fights Trinity after that, freaking kills more people, uh, kills Blue Beetle, Red Tornado, Animal Man. Ooh, even Animal Man was in it? Oh, yeah, even Animal Man's in it for, like, a minute. <laughs> but the whole thing is he ends up getting, um, after all that, he ends up back at what looks to be Lazarus Pit, but I don't think it is. Might actually be freaking the... Uh, Anti-Lazarus? I think it's more... I think it's actually Acme Chemicals, basically. Because the whole thing is... <laughs> Ace you know, Chemicals. Sorry. Yeah, Ace Chemicals. Acme, oh, Acme Chemicals, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, Ace Chemicals with, uh, you know, the Robin King. And it's it's showing them him making all... He... Break one nine, break one nine. Break, break one nine, break one nine. We got a niner here. We got a little bit of bogey here. Apparently we do. Like, I don't know, man. Freaking, I could hear you the whole time, but I, like, I unplugged them out or took them out, plugged them back in. Nothing. All right. So you're talking about Lazarus Pit. Uh, yeah. Do- uh, actually, I think I'm gonna go with uh, Ace Chemicals. Actually, I think that's what it is. Ace Chemicals. <laughs> Ace Chemicals. Sorry, guys. Yeah. We we had a little bit of a technical difficulty, but we're back on. Mr. Morales, 
give us more about some Ace Chemicals. All right, so they're going in, like, it shows the kids going into Ace Chemicals, and they come out, you know, all crowified, as it were. And, you know, you know, freaking at the end of the day, Batman laughs, just like, hey, you know, you're going in. And, you know, which proves upon the shadow of a doubt that, you know, apparently all adults are bastards. So, you know, Robin throws a, uh, a red slash blue pill in his mouth, which he had saved from Martian Manhunter, and it basically traps and preserves a small part of his mind inside the body. Nice. That way, in theory, for Martian Manhunter, that he could that way he could feel the death when he killed him. But you know, for Robin, it's gonna save some of his individuality, basically. And sure enough, he goes into the pit, but he comes out and he's you know, he fakes that he is completely, you know, a groblin, but he ends up still having his own personality. And See, the whole thing ends up. Sorry. Well, like, are they? They're basically giving some personality to, because what they've done with the Batman that laughs, he's got those like zombie s Robins, and now they're mm-hmm. giving one that has an actual mind. Yeah. Well, the whole thing ends up being too is apparently enough of whatever was in the pill, uh, got into the or contaminated, um, the goop. And basically every Robin or every Groblin that follows him now has a bit of their own individual personality. So it kind of seems like they're doing a soft reboot on the uh, on the Groblin characters and kind of maybe giving them some more personality. But the big kicker at the end is after everything that happens um, with the with the Robin King. The reason he becomes a Robin King is that. Uh, Batman who laughs finds him and takes him to another planet and it turns out that all the groblins that have this per- have their personality um all of them are cheering him I dig the it. same yeah the same way he imagined in his head that all these kids were going to cheer him and love what he was doing at the end of the day he had that hope and that hope you know came true so it's kind of it's interesting to think that you know hope could be homicidal children, but at the end of the day, for this character, that's what it is. I dig so it. he basically has an army of homicidal children that are willing to do whatever he tells them to do. But now he's got his own Bruce Wayne version of Robin, as opposed to a bunch of like mindless little assholes just doing what he tells them to on chains. Exactly. So I mean, all all these kids are not they're not um, since like I said, this guy's based on a t- an age of twelve year old Bruce Wayne. All these other kids are just kids that the Batman who laughs grabs and puts in the pit. So he's the only Bruce Wayne that's a Robin. God, that's like hard to digest. Not because... yeah, it's like, it's basically all the people that like, if he killed their parents, he would take the kid and put him in the pit. I'm loving it, man. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely interesting. It's just and plus, like I said, the fact that it it seems to me like they're doing a soft reboot with all the crow characters. I'm still gonna call them crows. I dig it. But you know, it seems like that might that's definitely something that's gonna play into. Uh, this is all set up for I think to say this is all pre, uh, Death Metal issue five. So I think here on out, hopefully we'll get, you know, a whole new version of the Robin or the crows as opposed to just being mindless zombies that say crow. 
death metal is, was a little hard for me to digest. I liked it. I really like what McFarlane's doing with the toys right now. I just got my my Devastator that it took me forever to find. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, dude, it's huge. I'm so pissed off that the newest uh, Build-A-Figure is Bane. It's like uh, like three inches taller than the, <laughs> the Devastator. But you got to buy like four. Well, you only have to buy four. You got to buy Scarecrow. Uh, the, the, mm-hmm. the guys you got to buy to build them, but he's huge. It's gorgeous. Uh, but I, I, I digress. See, if I, when I was really into the figures, I would have ate that up. Cause I'm, a, I'm a huge. I'm, a, I'm. I just love collecting things. Yeah, me too, man. Like comic books, pops, uh, freaking. I'm, I still buy DVDs, dude, just so I can have them in case my internet goes down. Just in case. Yeah. The McFarlane. But yeah, I, I used to figures, love those things. The the McFarlane DC figures cannot be ignored. The Superman um, comes with an invisible stand that you can impo- you can pose him in so many perfect ways. Like every time I feel like I'm having a bad day, I always like repose him. And just get in the Superman mind. I've got the Batman that laughs nice. into it. Uh, I, I didn't buy all the extra uh, Robins, but I got the Devastator. But the new Build-A-Figure is Bane. Man, there's, the Scarecrow is gorgeous that they're doing. There's so many abstract versions that, that's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of abstract, I want to get into X-Men. Okay. X-Men. How far into X Men are you? I'm, I'm terms of, are, you, are you caught up? With I haven't. Re- I haven't been reading it actually. Um, I I, I got X Force, Excalibur, and Hellions. Okay, are so, the ones I've been reading. So do you you know that Krakoa about Krakoa and the flowers and their own sovereign nation, right? Yeah, I know. I I've got. I picked up that much. Okay, so what's going on actually? Because I'm going to just talk about uh, X Men X of Swords Stasis Number One. So what? Basically, what's happened is Krakoa was a the male version of a bigger entity, and there's a female version. On the female version, and we haven't got too far into that, but Captain Britain, who is now um, Betsy Braddock, Elizabeth Braddock, yep, separated from Psylocke, and God, that that was a lot of skew, and I was just, that was I was pumped about that. Mm-hmm. She's Captain Britain, and basically. The original four horsemen that we've never been introduced, because all we know about Ensabah Noor Apocalypse is that he is uh, immortal, and one of the if not the original mutant. Uh, yeah, he was the first mutant, as far as I know. Is, yeah. As opposed to the first mutant we were introduced to, which was Namor. Um, mm-hmm. The original, the original four horsemen show up uh, from the many different Elseworlds, all culminating on one particular plane of existence called Otherworld. Otherworld has all of the doors to all of the different, if you want to make a parallel to the um, multiverse in DC, of what's going on with the mutants. And they have had a multiple millennia wars and are getting... They're, they're trying to get to Earth. And... The gateway is Otherworld, and the woman controlling Otherworld has said, you need to pick a game, and they decided to pick a game of swords. And so, the mutants on Krakoa have to find their champions, and each of them have to find their own individual sword. Wolverine had to find mm-hmm. a new version of the Murmurasa Blade. Um, Doug Bradley, who is a cipher from the original New Mutants, his blade is 
bonding with Warlock, who just happened to be back. I love the part of the Phalanx. Magic, of course, has a soul sword. Um, Apocalypse had to find his own eventual sword that he had abandoned years beforehand. And they, they're performing a ritual that has been foretold through tarot cards. And X of Stasis is the giant one-shot of all the bad guys finding their swords. Oh, okay. Making their deals with the devil. And this is such an ambitious X-Men story. This is like X-Men told by someone that really, really likes Dungeons & Dragons. I mean, this is such a... <laughs> Such a step apart from what Claremont, because I mean, I mean, be honest. I mean, like Claremont is responsible for everything that we're into right now, with mm -hmm. Jim Lee giving us some good costumes and some comic books that you know we all can't live without and remember the first time we bought them. I really don't want to get too far into it, other than the fact that you really got to go into. I mean, because we're into X of Swords number one is. Give me a second to pull it up. Actually, part eleven of twenty-two. We're halfway through it. Yeah, I knew I knew it was large. I was gonna say twenty-six, but twenty-two. Yeah, maybe a month and a half. If you have fallen asleep on this, get X of Swords. You'll get caught up enough to follow what you want to. You don't have to buy cable number like Kid Cable. I love Kid Cable, by the way. Kid Cable. <laughs> Kid Cable is a badass because. Uh, they've already hinted that Adult Cable knew that he was going to exist in the first place. So the fact that we're going to get Kid Cable and Adult Cable, I don't care. I love the fact that Cyclops is at his mansion on the moon with Jean Grey. And they've even hinted that they're sharing her, <laughs> him and Wolvie. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. The fact that even on Krakoa, if you're a bad guy, Mr. Sinister, even, even Omega Red was welcome in. Oh wow, nice. Yeah, I didn't. I knew about Sinister because he's on. He's in Hellions. Yeah, and that's been that's been super interesting. Oh, the Hellions are so much fun, especially bringing back Madeline Pryor. Mm hmm. Uh, I didn't see that coming at all. I was like, oh, this is good. Like, anytime you bring in like an old villain you haven't seen in a couple in a couple of years, I'm like, yes. I dig it, man. Because I remember back in 2011 when they did X Force Necrotia. And she resurrected all the uh, mutants on Genosha that died uh, from Extinction Agenda, which is personally my second favorite uh, X-Men story of all time. Mm, that one's really good, yeah. Uh, Cameron Hodge. Every, God, I, I keep going, but guys, I, I don't want to ruin anything for you. We've, we've been breaking things down in terms of why you should enjoy it or why we think it's good from a psychological uh, storytelling point of view. Um we're smart asses. We know what we're talking about. but I just like buy the books. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Buy the books. And if anything, when you, when we're talking about books, like people ask me all the time, like, what did you think about this Spider-Man movie? It doesn't matter what I thought. Just buy the comic books. Did you enjoy the movie? Great. That's all that matters. I don't care if you enjoyed the worst DC or Marvel movie. You still enjoyed it, and it got you to where you needed to get, and you walked away feeling empowered. Because that's, that's the point of it, man. Like, when you watched Avengers the first time, who was your guy? I like Hawkeye. I dig it. Now, on the same parallel, on the same wavelength, when you first watch wrestling, who was your guy? I don't want to talk about that. I get heat. No. <laughs> <laughs> I like... I was eight years old, so I thought Brutus Beefcake was awesome. That's awesome. So, guy, guy walked around cutting hair, freaking... I still get yelled at for that one, like, dude. But uh, he was cool. Tito Santana was cool. Freaking heel side. Rick, I, 
I never appreciated Rick Rude and Mr. Perfect until years later, but those guys were freaking phenomenal and ahead of their time. But you get my point. Mm hmm. You get my point. All right, so we did X Men. Man, I was going to talk about Nail, nail Biter, but I, I'm just going to run through my uh, runner ups from the past two weeks, man. Uh, of course, Last Ronin. Action Comics. Nailbiter Returns, number six. Dead Body Road, that's a difficult one. Savage Avengers, Dr. Afra, eh, it's doing all right. Hellblazer, Bliss, I'm going to have to do like a three-parter on that one. Of course, Incredible, uh, In Invincible Hulk, Immortal Hulk, forgive me. Undiscovered Country is doing really well. And, of course, uh, Spawn's a little different, difficult to uh, digest at the moment, but... Iron Man, Iron Man, bringing it back to his roots. I'm just surprised I'm not just getting him drunk. Big Girls is pretty good from Image. Uh, the Scumbag, uh, we'll do Scumbag next week because I need to. I bought two of them, just cause. So uh, let me give you one. Sweet. What are your runner-ups at all? Oh shoot, I didn't even think about that. Let's see. Get my let my stash here real quick. I guess I still have to read Hellblazer this week and. Freaking, I'm really looking forward to getting to a Rise and Fall number two Hellblazer. So, let me see, freaking, you know, uh, Nightwing, or Nightwing 75, since Nightwing's actually back, finally, thank Dude. God. Oh, beautiful Dude. costume, too. I loved yeah. it when he put it on, man. I was like, yes! Feels good, doesn't it? Yeah, it feels good. <laughs> good Definitely to nice to freaking be back. Shoot. Ugh. Every time, like, uh, for some reason, Nightwing's always the guy that gets the, the changes gimmick. Like, he was Rick Grayson for two years, it feels like. And then he did the when he died, and then he came back as Agent of Spiral. Oh, that made me mad. I could not get into that one to save my life. Dude, I don't remember what that happened, man. I dig that you're Yeah, that, freaking, I'm trying to remember the Forever Evil. At the end of Forever Evil, he died, and they really faked his death. And then they were like, oh, well, you got to do something else now. You can't be Nightwing. So they made him a secret agent. And freaking, I just, I could not get into it. I was like, once he was, once he wasn't Nightwing, I was just like, this is dumb. Like, I, I don't normally draw books, but I dropped that one afterwards. They changed Nightwing to Grayson and it was just not, not, not my cup of tea. I was not subscribed to Grayson until Grant Morrison took over. Nice, nice. Yeah, I, just, I think I got like the first. I think I did like the first eight to twelve issues of it, and then I was just like, I'm done. But yeah, that was, that was kind of my. You know, I didn't really get too much otherwise. Like I said, I got probably like seven right here in front of me that I still got to read through. No, I dig it though. <laughs> I like the fact that you're actually going and buying the comics. What's your store again, man? We always got to put our stores over. Oh, dude, Ed's Cards and Comics over there on Powers. He's got the old school... That's my go-to. He's a good guy, man. I like it. Yeah. No, he's good people. And it's one of those places, like, you can go in there and get your stuff and go in five minutes, or you can BS for two hours, and he's not going to care. Not going to give a shit. So, dude. I've been in there for yeah. three hours before. Like, I asked him, hey, can I pull this out? And he's like, yeah, go for it. And I sat with, like, two long boxes just going through it because he's got, he's got all the spawns that are holes in my collection, and I've... I, I specifically go to Ed to fill in my spawn collection. Nice. Um, 
Bunch, yeah, I know freaking my uh, my Wolverine Gambit victims is actually in my mailbox right now, so definitely gonna kill that off this week. Dude, I can't wait to let's do that next week, man. That'll be awesome going through victims, man. Especially Heck yeah. We won't give it away if you guys haven't. It's, it's uh, it's uh, Jeff Loeb and Tim So. I believe so. Yeah, it's, like, I always get people's names mixed up because like there's so many that always flew in my head. But uh, what do you got planned this week, this weekend? Like, uh, what do you got looking forward to? We're recording on a Thursday night. Um, what's going uh, on? No. What's going on for the uh, Morales family this weekend? Uh, well, we're getting the we're getting our Christmas tree set up tomorrow because the missus wants to do that. And nice, dude. We're she. I was not a huge holiday person until we got together, and friggin' she has pulled that out of me, kicking and screaming. So I mean, she'll she'll put on music. She'll friggin' get the everything set up, make some hot cocoa. I mean, it's it's an event That's in awesome, our household. Uh, do that, freaking Saturday night, ten to one. We'll probably end up buying a. AEW's freaking pay per view. Oh hell yeah! Here, checking that out. So that'll be that'll be pretty cool aesthetic. I'll go halfers on that with you. Cool man, freaking definitely do something like that. It wouldn't be a problem at all. You wanna shit man? We'll talk about it afterwards, but we'll figure something out. Um, cool. that goddamn, that's awesome. I forgot full uh full yeah, dude, full me. gears this weekend. Gear. Freaking yeah. that's that's gonna be, that, it looks like a stacked card. So the go away home show last night was fucking balls to the wall. Yeah, dude, freaking, I mean, dude, any, anytime you can see Pac, we haven't seen Pac in like seven months, and they, he comes back with that promo. Oh, like, dude, yes. dude, chills, chills, that promo was so good, and like, God, I, 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 I want to go off on Pac for a second, man, because I remember like when I first got back in WWE back in 2015, um, mm-hmm. everyone hated Pac, but he wasn't Pac, he was Neville. And yeah. he had the cape, and everyone, like, I remember my friends were like, except my, my buddy Josh, we were both like, we love him. <laughs> like, really, yeah, the guy's phenomenal. Everything he does is great, and then we got more into the indies when more, we saw more and more Bullet Club shirts with the fuck is Bullet Club, and then we start looking up PWG matches, and him with Cesaro, and Kevin Steen, and El Generico, and the Young Bucks, it was poetry. Yeah. Well, dude, I mean, anybody with Cesaro and Steen and... Like, fun fact, I hated El Generico. I couldn't stand... <laughs> I thought El Generico was garbage. I love Sami Zayn, though. <laughs> like, I don't I don't know what it was, dude. Freak, I just... I couldn't... Like, it was it was too hokey. I think I just got the joke better than you did, man. Like Probably. Like, I... <laughs> like, the Young Bucks, I can't freaking... Like, I respect... I get what they... I Why they do what they do. But, like, I can't... I can't get into a Young Bucks match. It's just not my cup of tea, and I'm a, I'm a huge tag team guy. I mean, obviously, obviously. freaking love me some tag teaming. Obviously, but freaking, I just can't, I can't, I can't get in the young bucks. Like I, freaking, for what should be an a, a dream match with them and FTR, like freaking, I don't care. Like of all the matches on the card, that's probably like the bottom two I'm looking forward I to. I just wanted to get over with, man. Like these, I quit. I, I I won't wrestle for championship matches or for fucking birds, man. I don't want. Don't give me that. Yeah, and I'm like, dude, freaking coming out of nowhere, Eddie Kingston, dude. Jeez, that, I mean, that dude's been able to talk. I mean, we've known he's been able to talk for years, but Jesus, all year is Eddie Kingston. Yeah, he's the, he's the best promo in the best promo company. Like freaking, when's the like, freaking AEW bar none has like the best setup for promos in wrestling right now like they just they just get it they really do like 
Yeah, and that's like that's like their. I mean, the it, the wrestling's great, but the promos are even better. Like him, him and Moxley, freaking Cody's a phenomenal promo. Pac's a phenomenal promo. Freaking MJF's amazing in promos. Sammy Guevara's fun. Jericho, obviously. Like they've just got like top to bottom. Like there, I mean, there are other guys in other places that can talk, but not like that amazing amount of guys all in one place that can talk is freaking super impressive. Especially the difficulty right now because they have very little fan capability to be in the building. Mm -hmm. They technically have not known what is over live other than t-shirt sales since March. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, we went to the I don't know if you went to the live show they did here. I, I went to it in Denver. I missed it. And freaking it was like it was like that show. There was a show in Saint uh, Salt Lake the next week, and then nothing. That was the last one was Salt Lake. Yeah, I was like, and I freaking you know I went there. It was a great time. Blah blah blah. But like, dude, like it's crazy to think that like we went to one of the last shows with fans. Like, and that was my son's first show. Like that's the first time he's been to a live big time wrestling show, and he just had a he had a ball. Freaking got him a little T shirt. What'd you get him? What shirt? The, what shirt? Uh, the iHeart AEW shirt is the one he chose <laughs> randomly. Nice. I'm just like I want a Michael Nakazawa T shirt. They didn't sell them. Shit, we can make those, man. <laughs> oh yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. Freaking those ones are super simple. But I'm just like, dude, freaking. You know, if you're gonna go cheesy, man, go full bore, freaking. He's one of those guys people think I hate, and I'm just like, dude, Michael Nakazawa is hilarious. Screw you. He is instrumental to their success right now. Yeah. Backstage, if you go deep, he is instrumental to their success. I don't like what they're doing on... God, I haven't liked Being the Elite for probably a year. It's gotten... Being the Elite has ruined the Dark Order for me. Oh, I got I like Johnny Hungy. He's funny. They're all funny, but like it's like let me say a few curse words and try to get someone that's obviously never gonna join the Dark Order uh in the show. And then of course, like Brandon Cut Brandon Cutler, man, he's got heart, but I don't I'm just a little a little sick of it at the moment, man. Really? I love like I don't I haven't I can't remember the last time I watched being the elite. But I'll I love me some I'm the only thing with Brandon Cutler, I'm mad because him and Peter Avalon like that match when he finally got his big win should have main evented like the buy-in of that, the pay-per-view. I was so mad when I was watching Being the Elite and Tony Khan was like, "We're gonna settle this on Dark. There's gonna be a winner." I'm like Dark, come on, man! You've yeah. been building this up too long. Yeah, like I get not freaking putting it. Like if you don't want to put it on the main on the main pay-per-view, cool. Make it main event the buy-in because it's one of the few things you've got on Dark that matters. Yeah, that's a good point. Like freaking do like use it freaking like you don't you don't have to be like oh my god this is gonna you know be halfway through the card because the thing is both those guys are great like freaking yeah they're a little undersized but freaking Peter Avalon's one of the few legit heels you have in your company he's such a good heel he, even yeah, though he's, he, he's, he's, he's a, a douche favorite, he's a fucking douche and and, and the, ha- the best part about it is freaking any like he's one of those guys that anybody could beat up in theory. <laughs> like I, I'm not gonna go out there. I'm not gonna punch Wardlow in the face, no. but I can take Peter Avalon. And whether whether I can or not, he might be freaking. He might have some moves. Who knows? But everybody thinks they could take him, and that's one of the best things about him. You know who my favorite workers are in AEW is uh, Frankie Kazarian and Christopher Daniels. Oh, dude, freaking yeah! Those... SCU is amazing. 
freaking Daniels legitimately is on my bucket list of guys I'd love to work. They, they just, they don't need a belt. They don't need anything. They just need to like, and the devotion. And I'm not a Miz fan, but I do love the fact how Miz can put people over. And mm -hmm. Miz can put people over, but not like Frankie Kazarian and Christopher Daniels. I mean, they. That the the match that Frankie Kazarian had with Hangman like two months ago was one of the best matches I've seen in, in like two years. Oh yeah, it was it was such a shine match. I mean like they were both getting their shit in, but it was like I forgot I was watching work wrestling. Yeah, if that makes sense. Like where all of a sudden I was it made me a kid watching wrestling again, and I was back to this is. This is real. <laughs> yeah. No, that was Frank Kazarian. Like Kazarian's freaking. He's he's been good for a long. Like both all of those guys. I'll think I'll throw Scorpio in there too. All of those guys have been so good for so that's long. It's ridiculous. But Man. speaking of, similar similar thing though. Freaking did that tag match that opened the show last night. Freaking with uh, Wardlow and MJF versus freaking Ortiz and a babyface Sammy Guevara. Oh, before you go on. Does the wrestling world actually deserve that good of a goddamn match? Because the second they were like, well, I'd be like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> like, this is what we're getting and it's not a pay-per-view? We're talking pay-per-view quality matches on a Wednesday night. Yeah. And, like, I wanted to pause it just to just think, but I was, my mind was racing too fast. Like, no, this is happening. Let's do this. This is yeah. awesome. The funny thing is, that was a match to set up the match that's going to be at the pay-per-view. <laughs> Like, I mean, the thing, because I'm super looking forward to Jericho versus MJF, because it's one of those matches that, like, you're like, how often are we going to get this match? Like, unless they turn, because they're not turning MJF. They, I mean, Jericho could turn on drop of a hat and people would love him. Of course. But, like, it would destroy the, I feel like it would destroy the inner circle. Can't destroy and Which the is, like, their thing. Unless... I, feel, I feel like a Jericho face turn would. Unless they swerved us in... MJF destroys Jericho and takes over as the leader of the inner circle, and then we get a babyface Jericho. Yeah, maybe. I, I like I said. I think I think they're freaking. I mean, they've been leaning towards it for a minute. Freaking. I think it's gonna be babyface Guevara. Like Guevara is gonna either leave or freaking get forced out, and it's by MJF's hands regardless. Like, and they they freaking. I mean, that tag match, dude. Freaking. Because I remember, like, one of the biggest things freaking from that, that show I went to two weeks before, you know, everything, the world ended. Yeah. Was freaking, there was a tag, the main event tag match was freaking Darby Allen and John Moxley versus freaking Jericho and Sammy Guevara. That was the, uh, that was a skateboard with the tacks at the bottom, right? No, not yet. That was, uh, that was freaking them versus uh, Darby and Team Taz. My bad. Or Darby, Moxley, Team Taz. But freaking the whole thing was Moxley couldn't make the shit to make the match because he got jumped by three guys, which were the uh, rest of the inner circle. And freaking um, so Darby went it alone. And freaking Sammy and you know freaking Jericho and Sammy were just working it well, freaking. But like fans weren't booing Jericho, <laughs> no. but the fans were saying "f you, Sammy." The like that was the loudest chant of the night. Like, so badly that they had to, like, mute it out on the freaking TV. Because I watched the show later, of course. And freaking, they're, they're, like, fans aren't chanting for Jericho. They're not even chanting for Darby. But they are chanting, F you, Sammy. And freaking loudly. 
That means he's over. Vociferously. Like, people legitimately hate Sammy Guevara. I hate him. And freaking that kid in one night freaking went over and freaking was probably the biggest baby face in the ring and the the arena last night. And it like it shows how good he is. Like he calls himself the best ever. I mean, he's not in that league yet. I'm not going to say I'm just but freaking that kid is good. He's good. Whether I want to admit it or not, but like if you can get people to boo you that bad, it's something else. I mean, like the the whole heel babyface dynamic when like if you're if you're thinking you're a heel and you're out there and this is just obviously you know this Tony, but if you're thinking you're a heel and you're out there and you got people cheering for you, you fucked up. <laughs> yeah, you're doing something wrong. That's one of the biggest things I have problems with a lot of guys. Is guys just like oh as long as they're making noise for me, brother? No, no, that's not it at all. You've got a job, and your job is to make people hate you, and freaking that's that affects your you know the moves you use, freaking your, your way you cut a promo, the way you interact with fans. Like, you know, straight legit freaking nothing pisses me off more than a guy freaking being a heel in the ring and then going out in intermission and hanging out with his friends. Like you're 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 a part of the show, hang out in the back. <laughs> yeah. Like if you go out there and hang out with your friends and you're cool and you're high fiving everybody and they're like, Hey brother, good match and you're just like, Thanks, man. No, screw you, dude. Yeah. Like, I don't want. I don't freaking. I wouldn't use you on my show anymore. There's a few things freaking, I want to that, talk that, that's about ignorant. You know, after after we're recording, there's a few things I want to talk to you about. <laughs> oh please, definitely. But guys, but yeah, it's a be fan, be you know be a freaking worker or be a fan. Agreed. This has been a kick-ass episode, kick-ass issue. Tony, what are you gonna wrap us up with, man? Uh, um, give us a. Give us a random issue that you read like a million times because you you were a kid and couldn't get a bunch of comics that sticks out in your head. Oh, definitely X Men number one, man. That was like the most bought comic ever. Freaking, I do. I read that one. I freaking probably tore through three or four issues of that. I've got. I rescue it from every comic bin I find. Yeah, the, the it's, five, it's good. The five issue, the the giant spread open cover. I rescue it from every comic book I find. Uh, the first one I bought uh, is in my safe deposit box, just because it's a relic to me. Mm-hmm. The second one I bought, I completely tore up because there were so many great posters in it. The them playing uh, volleyball by the pool. Got, <laughs> I remember that. We get Psylocke because you know Jim Lee is the biggest Psylocke fucking mark and. Mm-hmm. Wolverine in his jorts. Um, then the uh, villains that come when we see that we're about to get the brood. That was our first introduction to... It wasn't his first appearance uh, in terms of, like, in storyline, but we saw Omega Rig for the first time, Fabian Cortez. Um, wow, just, like, the the fact that everything was laid out perfect. And then it perfectly matched with all the Toy Biz comics coming out, the toys coming out when we got Professor X. Um... Psylocke, I'm sorry, Cyclops. It's just uh, the the one I'm, I'm gonna point out that one I reread a million times because um, my dad only was able to take me because my dad worked all the time uh, in the military. Mm-hmm. In uh, one of the ones he bought me, we went to we went to the comic store to buy the Death of Superman issue. No, no, Fatal Attractions issue and uh, number seventy five, Wolverine seventy five, X Men number twenty five. And oh yeah, they were obviously sold out. But Dad still bought me a comic. He said, "This looks good," and he 
he got me the Wolverine number 50 with Mark Silvestri with that die cut cover where it's the uh, Wolverine dossier by Shield. And oh, nice. Okay, I think I remember that. Yeah, it, it's 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 just wonderful. It starts out with uh, Wolverine in in Wolverine and Forge in the classic uh, New Mutants type costume. Like, hey Forge, uh, where does uh, Shield refuel the helicarrier, or will they do it uh, middle of the night, Manhattan? Why do you want to know that? They still do that, yeah. What are you gonna do? Storm it on your motorcycle? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm gonna do. <laughs> and he's pushing his motorcycle. He's driving up into the like Empire State Empire State Building, and he's pushing his motorcycle in the freight freight elevator. And she's getting this woman's getting pissed at him. Like, can you put that out? And he's like, no, <laughs> cigar. And this uh, this noob, this uh, this jobber. Is like, uh, there's some hairy mutant launching his motorcycle at us. Uh, don't worry, he'll splatter on on the on our windshield like a blood a, a bug on a windshield. And Fury's like putting his fingers in his ears. You ever hear of Animanium, son? <laughs> and skids in, pops the claws. What do you want? I'm not gonna give it to you. And if you don't tell me, I'm gonna give me what I want. I'm gonna tell everyone what uh, Emil Blonsky was doing. The, uh, Emil something like in in Cuba. And okay. Starts getting all the faxes, and he gets the uh, dossier about the Weapon X program and all the backups, and goes to the warehouse where they implanted all the uh, memories for Maverick, Silver Fox, uh, Hydra was involved in this issue. Um, Jubilee was trying to be the sidekick. This is where we met Shiva for the first time. It was gorgeous. The the key. The key that they have, if you read um, Weapon X, that's what I got left, man. But uh, if you have nothing left, uh, we'll wind it down and we'll talk some shit. And after we were done recording, but uh, got anything left, brother? Nah, man. Freaking everything sounds good. Looking forward to next week. Shoot, hopefully we'll have some good conversation. Freaking definitely wanna. I already know I'm gonna want to talk some Hellblazer. Oh, we gotta talk some Hellblazer, man. Let me look up what. Came out this week. We've got Amazing Spider-Man, Atlantis Attacks. Oh bullshit! I can't believe that. It's <laughs> like eight months ago. Uh, follow Black Widow number three. Hellstrom, Miles Morales, Star Wars, Rise of Ultraman, Thor, U.S. Agent number one. I'm lo- really looking forward to U.S. Agent. I miss those. Uh, remember U.S. Agent when like Nomad and that sort of shit was going on. Mm-hmm. Web of Venom. X-Men number 14, we've got Image, Coffin Bound, I'm not saying we're going to talk about all this, Pretty Violent, That Texas Blood, The Goddamned, Walking Dead number 2, I can't believe I'm re- I sold all my Walking Dead, and now I'm, oh, re- wow. and now I'm rebuying them in color. <laughs> Fuck it, why not? <laughs> Just go for it. Just do it. Guys, this is Minefields, Tony Morales, Colin, he's my best friend, he's out on Parts Unknown, scoring with some chicks in Tasmania, and we're going to be pissed. I'm scoring you some chicks, I'm a married man. You're a married man, you're a married man. More chicks for you, though. You can just, I'll just, we'll tell you the stories and you have some fun. That's that's for Minefields After Dark. (laughs) Minefields After Dark. Guys, this is dangerous. This is minefields. This transmission is over. Do not hang up.